0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: VDW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The big news over the weekend. The bridge to Crimea from Russia was bombed. Now the mainstream media, they're saying we don't know who did it. Some reports are that obviously it was Ukrainian military of some sort. Why wouldn't it be? Why would it be anybody else? Unless you want to argue there's a third party trying to instigate war, it makes perfect sense that Ukraine is going to try and cut off Russia from Crimea and try and take Crimea back. In response to this, Vladimir Putin launched 84 missiles peppering in the entire country. About 40 of them, at least the reporting I saw, were intercepted. Several of them landed The most worrisome, of course, was the German embassy being hit by the by the Russian strike. So obviously now there's concerns over escalation. Germany is going to be sending in some kind of missile defense. Joe Biden has promised some kind of missile defense. So I don't know. World War three. Donald Trump is warning about it again, saying that we need to stop this now. We need to negotiate. He's he's offered to help in the past that we may be entering World War three and we have no time to waste. Now, back on the domestic front, we have big news that I have to address, and that's PayPal, because you may have seen the news that PayPal launched this uh, policy where if you engage in hate speech or misinformation, they can fine you, charge your account $2,500. They quickly backtracked after Elon Musk and some other PayPal, uh, former president of PayPal, called them out and said everyone should just shut their accounts down. I think PayPal got hurt by this. Because we can see on our end, the people who still use PayPal, even though we've gotten gotten off the website, we've lost a decent amount of users. And we can, we're getting emails from people saying, that's it, the final straw, they're switching over. We're going to talk about this story. PayPal is backtracked saying it was an error. There are some documents, archives, suggesting it wasn't and that they're just panicking. It's backfiring. But I will say this. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com. Click the Join Us button and then click Become a Member. Choose whatever number you want to click. And you will see that we have Parallel Economy. Parallel Economy was co-founded by Dan Bongino. We got PayPal off the website a long time ago. We did this because we knew they were censoring people and they were going to escalate their ESG social credit score BS. I'm glad we did. And I'm glad as many of you as possible moved over. Now, what we didn't do is we didn't discontinue PayPal. For those that are legacy members of the website going back almost a year now and are on members with PayPal, your memberships are fine. But many of you, I noticed, have been canceling. We hope that you come back and sign up using Parallel Economy. And for those that still use PayPal, you can switch over. It's not super easy. You may have to actually just cancel your account and re-sign up. And that's if you used a guest account with PayPal. I'm not entirely sure. And uh, in all honesty, uh, my, my apologies in that it's a fairly rudimentary website with limited tech. Because we we don't have you know 200 million subscribers like, like uh, Netflix or anything like that. But... If you haven't already, head over to TimCast.com and become a member. Utilize Parallel Economy for two reasons. One, support us. Support our journalists. Support our work. Support our show. And two, support Parallel Economy. This is Dan Bongino, co-founded this company. If we can get more and more users onto Parallel Economy, help them expand, grow, and become a bigger portion of the market share, then we can actually push back against these ESG garbage corporations. So that's one way to do it. Now, let's talk about what's going on. Joining us today... To discuss World War III, Russia, nuclear weapons is actually somebody who has a Ph.D. in battlefield nuclear warfare. I think is that it, Drew Miller, correct, Doctor Drew Miller.
2: Yes, Tim. My uh, Ph.D. from Harvard was on underground nuclear defense shelters and field fortifications for NATO troops. So it's the topic today, but I wrote it decades ago, and even then it was politically politically incorrect to talk about the limited use of nuclear weapons. And we saw this again on Thursday when President Biden said that, you know, I can quote him here, I don't think there's any such thing as the ability to easily use a tactical nuclear weapon and not end up with Armageddon. And that's what the Democratic Party has been saying for decades, but it's just not true. If Russia were to use a nuclear weapon on the battlefield against Ukrainian troops, uh, we would be crazy as the United States to escalate that to a strategic nuclear exchange with Russia.
1: I was reading the same thing. There was that quote that I mentioned where the, the guy said you'd be have to be a madman to sacrifice Boston for Poznan. So uh, we'll talk about that, especially with the news pertaining to Russia. But you're also the CEO of Fortitude Ranch. Full disclosure, I have a I have a stake in the in, in Fortitude Ranch. But this is uh, what, what would you call it? Is is it preparedness?
2: Uh, Forted Ranch is a recreational and survival community, so in good times our members can come out and use our shooting range and hike and enjoy the rural locations we're in. We're in five states now, Uh, but in bad times we turn into a survival community. Our members come out to stay alive and get out of cities and suburbs where if the grid is go down, I mean, if, if Russia does an EMP attack on us, our grid is toast, it'll be gone for over a year and there's no municipal water systems you will die in cities and suburbs so our members will come to our rural locations where we're equipped to you know survive long term with food and water but also all our members have weapons uh, as well as our (laughs) staff so we can defend ourselves against marauders and survive anything this is going to be really interesting. I'm excited for this
1: conversation about marauders and survival. So, thanks for coming. We also got Luke Rudkowski hanging out.
3: Someone said uh, shooting range. Um, I'm all in. I'm, I'm very happy for this conversation. This is, is going to be a very important one. My name is Luke Redowski of WeAreChanged.org, and today I'm wearing a t-shirt which represents how war is a racket, showing, of course, the king and queens having dinner while, of course, the pawns kill each other off. And that to me is the true reality of war. No one wins them except the special interest. If you like the shirt, you could get it on the BestPoliticalShirts.com. Because you do,
4: I am here. Thank you again so much for having me. And uh, hey, guys, Ian Crosson here. I had a couple of corrections from last week. At one point, I said that Alexander the Great and his band uh, invaded and conquered Ursa Minor it was in, actually in outer space. Not, in it was actually ship. not the Little Dipper. Uh, no, no. They conquered Asia Minor, which is Turkey, Anatolia, things like that. And also I mentioned last week, Luke and I were talking a little bit about uh, tactical nuclear weapons. I said that depleted uranium rounds are a type of tactical nuclear weapon because they have minor amounts of radiation. But Drew, you were saying it's no they're not classified as nuclear
1: weapons.
2: No, they're strictly conventional weapons. Got it. I, I just want
1: to say, Ian, if, if we made a sci-fi cartoon about the future, about a guy named Alexander who gets a spaceship and goes and conquers Ursa so Minor. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty epic space. Epic. Yeah, yeah there you go. And then technically you weren't <laughs> wrong. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay, let's on yeah, this. That's right. And uh, many of you may already know if you tuned in on Friday that Lydia is no longer with the program. She has moved on. She's going to be doing uh, her, her own thing, and we'll, we'll shout her out when, uh, when she's ready for that. But uh, pushing all the buttons today is Serge.
5: Hey, guys. Nice to meet you. My name is Serge, a.k.a. The New Lydia. Pleasure to be here. Thanks except except that guy. Yeah, except I am a guy.
3: L- Linda Jr. Yes. Nice hair, too. Hey.
5: Linda Jr. I like it. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it, guys.
1: Glad All right. You're here. Let's jump into this first story we've got from the Jerusalem Post. Russian strikes hit, hits German diplomatic office in Kiev. Report. The German embassy in Kiev was hit by Russian airstrikes on Monday. German media outlet Build reported. However, the building has not been in use since the war broke out, the foreign ministry said. Russian-born journalist and political scientist Sergei y- y- Sumlemi, probably pronouncing that wrong, now based in Berlin, tweeted about the attack, asking for Chancellor Olaf Scholz and other German officials to issue a response to the airstrike. So, okay, they've not been using it, but this is still, this is, if, if this is the German embassy, this is German territory, right? Hmm. So what does this mean? Does this mean that Germany is now going to use this as some kind of casus belli? declare war or is it is it meaningless? Well,
3: specifically it was their visa office and it looked like a lot of these strikes weren't for their intended targets. There's one inside of a playground when Russia of course was making a speech saying that this was specific strategic attacks against the infrastructure of Ukraine. Uh, the, the German embassy um, isn't really infrastructure of Ukraine but there's a lot of other things happening behind the scenes. I don't think Germany's going to be doing anything with this. Uh, I, don't, I think Germany right now also is having a major bullet shortage. Uh, I, th- I think that also is something we should be keeping a close eye on. But there's a lot of other things happening with Belarus right now. With Poland telling their citizens to leave Belarus right now, Poland is also checking their uh, bunkers right now to make to make sure that they're up and running and that they're running properly. So a lot of other things are happening, and this is just episode one, according to the former Ukrainian president Medvedev, of many episodes to come when it comes to these larger strikes that Russia is going to be launching. On Ukraine.
1: I will mention this. From the reporting, they're trying to make it seem like, you know, so Germany condemns, you know, Russia's actions in Ukraine. Then all of a sudden there's an airstrike. Some, one, one of the strikes happened at a German embassy. And now Germany is set to deliver air defense system uh, to Ukraine within days, according to the uh, defense ministry. So uh, Reuters reporting Germany will deliver the first of four Iris TSLM air defense systems to Ukraine within days. And well, there you go. That's it. I, don't, I think what we've seen from NATO, for the most part, has just been acting like they're not involved, but basically su- supplying the overwhelming majority of weapons, strategy, intelligence, everything. And then you even have volunteers. Now, we do know last week, this was reported by The Intercept, that U.S. special uh, operations are underway in Ukraine. So at what point is this just World War III?
2: Well, there's a big concern that the escalation will continue, and, and it's, it's kind of odd, but the worse it gets for Putin, uh, the worse it really gets for, for U.S. security, because he he's, he's losing the war, clearly, doing poorly, prospects aren't good for him, so he's a desperate uh, dictator, and he doesn't want to get killed off, knocked out of power, so he's got to change the situation.
0: Don't wait. Get in touch with America First Tax Group today by calling 800-431-5684. That's 800-431-5684. Or visit AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. Again, 800-431-5684 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker.
2: And to do that, he's got to do one of a couple things. He could use nuclear weapons in the Ukraine. I don't think it would escalate. I think it would destroy a lot of Ukrainian forces. Uh, but there is a risk that you know it could go to not just using them on the battlefield, but using them near the border where the supplies are coming in from Poland and Germany and US equipment coming in. That gets close to, nu- to NATO territory and risks that we might get involved. Uh, but more likely, and I think more threatening for the United States, uh, is Putin? If he if he does any, gets into any nuclear exchange with the U.S., he loses from that. Uh, we would severely hurt him. We would of course be massively damaged, but it would hurt Russia tremendously. So I think he's more likely to do something like release a virus clandestinely in the United States and West Europe. Uh, something that's not like COVID, but something like human-to-human transmissible avian flu, 60% lethal, highly transmissible. Mm-hmm. And at that 60%? point 60% avian man. flu. If a human gets avian flu, it's not directly transmissible now, but they have your, your tax dollars were used in gain of function research to develop human-to-human transmissible, mammal-to-mammal transmissible versions of avian flu, which is 60% lethal to humans. And if he releases that virus, and the way to do that was published in open-source literature uh, a decade ago. And so if Russia releases a human human transmissible form of avian flu, it'll spread like mad. And at that point, who cares about Ukraine? We're trying to stay alive over here. It would be an absolute collapse situation in the United States.
1: Already, who cares about Ukraine? We're trying to survive over here. here. I mean, the economy's in in shambles. We've got Biden. They're they're sending tons of money off to Ukraine. Most Americans can't even point to it on a map, and we're wondering why it is we are actively involved in a border dispute with Russia and Ukraine.
3: I kind of have a little different perspective than than you, Drew, just a little bit, because I I think we're in this stage where not all options have been kind of used here. I, I think this conflict is going to be going back and forth. Now, with the winter coming to Ukraine, a lot of the forces are going to be stalled, and I think it's going to be like that for... Very very long time. I think the the concept of of a Kissinger limited perpetual war is something that we truly face the reality of. And I see Putin having a lot more options at the table before going nuclear, before even going bioweapon, weapon, uh, before even going you know f- full crazy madman as as people describe him in the media. Uh, before doing that, I, I I think there's other conventional weapons of war that he could release. There's other attacks he could do on the Ukrainian infrastructure um and, and i think he's going to be using those methods first even though the threat of nuclear war is serious but i think it's it's uh, less probable than a more uh, aggravated bigger uh, escalation on the ground from I, my
1: perspective i don't think putin's yet begun to fight i think we've what we've seen it's like ground forces in the east now with these missile strikes over over ukraine I think if Putin wanted to, he could unleash substantially more destruction on the country if he really felt he had to.
4: Yeah, if, like what we did in Afghanistan and Iraq was nowhere near even an inkling of the capability we had of destruction, because we didn't want to destroy it, we wanted to conquer it. And he doesn't want to destroy Ukraine, he wants to conquer it, or at least eastern Ukraine.
2: Yeah, well, what General Petraeus was on recently <clears throat> saying that, you know, he, he thinks that Russia's in an absolute no-win situation there, and it's getting worse for them. And I, I tend to agree with that assessment, that Russia has clearly lost this war in a conventional fight. Them mobilizing isn't going to do anything near term, um, and their, their troops just are not motivated for understandable reasons. They're not defending Russian homeland, they're invading another country. And so the situation is bad for Putin. It's also horrible for him on the home front. Bad things are going on there. So I think he could now already be in a desperate situation. But he's not going to be desperate, he's he's a smart, ruthless, evil man. So he's not going to do something desperate like launch a nuclear strike on the United States. That would be incredibly stupid. He is not stupid. He's brilliantly, ruthless, evil. So what I think he's far more likely to do is release a clandestine bio-attack on the United States. What's, what's That's the, the smartest thing over, to do. What's
3: the over-under for small tactical, small tactical nuclear weapon? What's the betting odds, for, in your opinion, for this bioweapon? What do you think is most likely by percentage?
2: Uh, I think Putin if he, the smartest, most effective thing he could do would be to get a distraction that takes Ukraine off the map and gets our support, both the US and the Western European support, eliminated quickly. And you know, what he did over the weekend, well, he's got more now more Western arms coming into the Ukraine. That doesn't really help him, doesn't change the bad military situation for him. He needs to knock us out of providing support to Ukraine. And our politicians aren't gonna back down, that would look bad. It's too much comparisons to Chamberlain in World War II. So he's gotta do something different. And drastic and the way to do it is a clandestine, again, not a not an overt, but a clandestine release of a bioweapon, and they've absolutely got all kinds of viruses. Smallpox, you name it, they've got it. But so they released it over here, and you know, we are not gonna be sending arms to Ukraine, it's certainly gonna do more military forces into NATO. If we're dealing with a pandemic that's killing off our population, and worse, it's unleashing loss of law and order as people are trying to survive. And you've got massive marauding going on across the United States, and millions dying from that. How do you, if Putin
1: were to release a virus, what's to stop Russia from getting hit by it?
2: Uh, eventually, it would spread, but it spread a lot more slowly if they release it over here. Not a whole lot of air flight going into Russia right now from the United States or Western Europe. They're already effectively isolated. And the other person who could do this is the North Korean dictator. He's another person. You know, he's at the bottom rank of effective good places, you know, powerful nations, if there's a pandemic worldwide, a great place to be would be North Korea. You don't have <laughs> you don't have international travel. You you know, you got, you know, everyone else now gets destroyed, we could lose most of our population western Europe, most of that. Everyone else comes down in power and prestige, and North Korea now isn't so much at the bottom. Uh, they're a country that survived the mess. I'd rather be in North Korea than South Korea when there's an international pandemic of avian flu spreading.
4: But the, what people sometimes don't take into account is clean water, uh, the ability to wash yourself with soap and clean water and how that can help you overcome a disease. So like people in North Korea that are, are literally sometimes <clears> eating other people because they're starving might be end up being much sicker from a disease, even if it's, there's less uh, of a load in the environment because they don't have access to the same kind of treatments that we do
2: correct, but if that virus kills off most of South Korea, and North Korea can evade it, they can now take South Korea after the virus has died out when the people are dead so in South
3: it, is Korea. There, is there anything you're seeing from an intelligence report <clears throat> that suggests that there's a probability that this is going to happen? And again, what's the probability from 0 to 100 that you think this is going to happen?
2: Well, I'm a former intelligence officer, so nothing I say tonight will be release of classified information. Uh, in terms of probability, I mean, Nassim Talibro the most important, valuable book I've ever read in my life, The Black Swan, The Influence of the Highly Improbable. And he trains you not to talk in probabilities. How can I talk about the probability of something that's never happened before? There's no statistical evidence for me to use. Uh, so it's, you know, it's expert guesstimation is the honest term for it. Uh, but, you know, you can reason from people and from past situations. And Putin, former KGB agent, an absolutely ruthless man, you know, he knows about... The power of bioweapons, they've had them in the Soviet Union. Their biological weapons program in the Soviet Union had like 60 to 80,000 people working in it. They developed all kinds of agents and we in the United States continue to do as I said gain of function research where we demonstrated and then published the results on how to create a mammal-to-mammal contagious, we were using ferrets, version of avian flu, 60% lethality and we published it. So everyone all over the world, if they want to know how to do it, they've learned it
3: yeah I, I think so he's
2: got the ability to do this and it's a smart thing for him to do and then if he does it clandestinely don't he doesn't get any ideas punished.
3: but we also got reports that putin was allegedly terrified of covid and that he kind of insulated himself away from other people the way russia kind of handled covid i think would also have an impact on that because they didn't really do that good of a job they did have very strict lockdowns and mandates they didn't really work just like anywhere else uh do you th- do you see that kind of playing into this larger decision and we don't have to get into, you know, obvious intelligence reports and classified information. But do you think it's more likely than, than a small tactical nuclear weapon?
2: Uh, I think a, a limited use of battlefield nuclear weapons is a highly likely thing. And I think release of virus is highly likely. Both of them be. There's no way for me to estimate the probability. I'm not even sure Putin would know at this point unless he's already made the decision and issued the order. What
4: would battlefield nuclear weapons look like? Like what's an example of one and how would it play out?
2: Uh, Sure. Well, battlefield nuclear weapon, I distinguish between battlefield use, theater use, which is more like a longer range strike into, for example, the eastern uh, parts of the Ukraine near the border of Poland, for example. But battlefield use is limited to attacking other combat troops. It's probably going to be an air burst, not a ground detonation. They don't want the fallout coming into the Russian territory. But you can do a low yield. It could be less than a kiloton. You know, For example, Hiroshima is you know, about 15 kiloton. It could be a one kiloton. It could be less than a kiloton. Uh, we gave up. We unilaterally dismantled and destroyed our tactical battlefield nuclear weapons back in 1991, the first George Bush president. They got nothing in return. Uh, Russia kept theirs. China's kept and expanded and modernized there. They still have them. So they could absolutely annihilate uh, Ukrainian ground forces. But why isn't he? Why is Putin
1: not yet using low-yield nukes to just clear the field and take the land?
2: Uh, because he hasn't been in a desperate enough situation thus far. Once you do that, you know, it's, it's, it is an escalation. There is a risk that, you know, uh, potentially, you know, well, for, I'll give you one example. Once this happens and he gets away with it, I think he would get away with it. The U.S. is not going to respond with a nuclear attack on Russia if they do a nuclear detonation in Ukraine. That would be insane for President Biden to do. He would not do that. So if they do that and he gets away with it, now what's going to happen to nuclear non-proliferation? Because we've told all our NATO members and Japan and so many countries, we will protect you with our nuclear umbrella, and it's not believable. It's never been credible, and this will prove that it's not credible that we will not use nuclear weapons, most likely, uh, even to defend our allies. And Ukraine, you know, thus far is not a NATO member, not an ally we have to defend.
1: I've I've been saying uh, basically this for a while, and I've had a lot of people argue argue with me that I said mutually assured destruction is just just not true. This idea that, I I suppose the idea is if, if Russia decides to nuke D.C., then the U.S. will fire back at Moscow or something like that. But what I was saying is that this idea that the use of nuclear weapons in general results in everyone just firing nukes and blowing everybody up. In fact, there's one really obvious reason why NATO will not nuke back in the war. The war's in Ukraine. Russia's invaded the Eastern region. Putin can fire nukes into Ukraine anywhere he wants and cause as much damage as he wants because he's trying to take it. NATO does not want to destroy Ukraine. They're trying to push Russia out. So theoretically, if Russia moves too far into Ukraine, say in the Eastern region, then maybe they'll use nukes there, but they'd be effectively losing by doing it, cutting off their nose to spite their face. Well- well,
3: a couple of things I worry about here is that we're in a desperate situation. I, I think the Russians in some instances are desperate. I think the Ukrainians are also desperate here and they know that, that they're facing a lot of very tough odds here. They have a lot of support, but at the end of the day, Russia still has a lot more manpower. Russia still has a lot more bullets, even though there's a lot of countries sending them, them bullets. Germany has a bullet shortage. I think this is more significant than, than we're, uh, there, that, that that of course is not being talked about here. I, I think in this desperation, we shouldn't rule out the population possibility of someone staging an attack or staging an incident that would escalate this situation and possibly get other countries involved here. Right now, we have Belarus uh, do a joint military task force with Russia. They're mobilizing on the Ukrainian border. They've been mobilizing for a couple of months now. But I think we're in a situation where the, the history of, of the previous world wars is rhyming. And, and what happened then was other countries got involved. And I, I think there's a big possibility that Ukraine in their desperation or Russia in their desperation could stage an event. That could be the galvanizing event that could launch a bigger conflict here uh, that would m- move beyond this proxy war between Russia and the United States. Do you think that's a possibility?
2: Yeah, It's absolutely true that that could happen. But you know, th- people mm-hmm. like to make comparisons back in history, as, as you mentioned, back to World War II. And you know, Hitler didn't have nuclear weapons, nor did he have biological weapons or the ability to release them in the United States. Putin does. So you got a corner dog, a guy who's desperate, wants to retain power, and we should not be provoking him. Uh, I'm glad to support Ukraine if we can, but we should not be pushing Russia and Putin, a desperate man, into a situation where he feels like, the only way I'm gonna stay alive and stay in power is to knock the U.S. and Western European support out of Ukraine. And I do that either with escalating with nuclear weapons, which is really risky for me because they could eventually retaliate with nuclear weapons against me. Or I could be smart about it and just release a biological agent that starts a horrible pandemic in the U.S. and West Europe. I think you do the latter.
3: Now, now, I just want to talk about this biological agent because, you know, you bring it up a couple of times. In the 1957 to 1958 avian flu pandemic that killed two million people, and they say it's not as effective as a bioweapon because the host usually dies and transmission is less likely when we have such a very strong virus. Do you have any counter evidence or is there a new type of thing that you know about from your work in intelligence that, that says that this is going to be different to the 1957-1958 avian flu pandemic. Sure,
2: that, that's a very low lethality virus. I mean, it's worse than avian flu, but you're talking about like 1% lethality. For example, the, the so-called misnamed Spanish flu back at the end of World War I, 1919-1920 timeframe, that was like a 1.5% lethality rate. Avian flu is way less... I'm sorry, avian flu is a way of a, uh, I'm sorry, COVID-19 is like way, you know, it's 0.001 lethality. Very, very low. But avian flu, is I said, is 60% lethal. Now, when you modify it, you may get a different lethality rate. It may be a lot lower. It may be higher. I don't know. You're, you're changing the virus. Yeah, but the question so, I
3: have is, p- if people are getting it and dying right away, the virus
1: won't spread as fast.
2: Correct. Uh, viruses, generally, it's better for them not to be too highly lethal. You kill off all your hosts. But again, it's... it's
1: well, it, well, it's really simple. I mean, gain-of-function research... You get, you get a virus, you get something as lethal as an avian flu, but you engineer it to have a two-week delay in, on, in symptom That's onset. That's
2: the worst. That's the third thing. I mean, I've been talking about transmissibility and lethality, but Tim, you just brought up the third really bad thing. If it's got a latency period where I'm contagious, I'm spreading the virus, but I don't have any symptoms yet, then you're really, really uh, screwed over.
1: We, we were talking about this last week. That
0: Picture this. With a plan through CarShield, you get protection on over 5,000 major parts and systems with just a visit to carshield.com slash carlson. I'm talking big money items like your transmission, engine, electronics, and so much more. CarShield is here to keep you moving forward and make car breakdowns and the repairs that follow just a tiny bump in the road. Go to carshield.com slash carlson. Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. carshield.com slash carlson. That's carshield.com slash Carlson.
1: You know, look, nuclear weapons, the advent of which was over 80 years ago. You get this report published in uh, 1938. I can't remember who, who, who shouted that out. Was that Will who mentioned that? 1938 on the, this, the scientific paper on fission. And then all of a sudden, all, everybody gets the idea like you could make a bomb with that. And then finally we did. And what was, uh, what was the... Um, it was a Fat Man. Wasn't that was like a 15 kiloton bomb or something like that? Oh, was so the name of one of them was Fat Man. They're both about
2: 15, 20 kilotons. That's Hiroshima and Nagasaki. nothing.
1: 15, 20 kilotons. Nothing compared to the nukes that they currently have today, especially with MIRVs when they can have multiple warheads. But bringing that up, I mean, this is old technology. You'd have to imagine they've developed different and new capabilities in modern warfare that we don't know about and yeah. we won't know about until they do. I think, fair point, biological weapons seems to be the route... To take who, who yeah, who
3: knows what Peter Dazak and the CIA are doing with Echo Health Alliance with Dr. <laughs> Fauci's funding still as they got funded again. But but I, I think there's also a, another important aspect. You know, viruses usually don't spread well without any kind of symptoms. Sneeze and coughing is how viruses usually spread. If they develop something new, I don't know. But uh, I, I, this would be end of the world. You you, you launch a bioweapon, it's going to affect everyone. Yep. It's going through the food uh, supply.
4: COVID was found in ice cream. And, like it can live in animal fat. Yeah. you got to watch out for food.
3: J- just from my assessment, my research, I, I do think smaller escalations, more attacks on, on the infrastructure in Ukraine, and I think – you, you know, a bigger all-out war and, and potential false flags are more of a possibility than bioweapons from my perspective in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah, but hold on. We're not, like, I, I don't know if this is what you're saying, but my view is not that Putin right now is just like, eh, flu. No, he goes with artillery, he goes nuclear artillery, he goes tactical nukes. In the event of total desperation, when, with U.S. involvement getting too heavy and his conventional methods not working and his escalation not working, I think, I, I would agree that someone, maybe it's Putin, maybe it's not, Someone's going to try and and, and knock out the U.S. economy either by, uh, you know, well, I I would assume a a, a clever way to hit the United States clandestinely, as you mentioned, is a bioweapon.
2: Yes. And and remember back in March, um, the Russians were putting out propaganda saying, hey, the U.S. has these biological weapons programs in the Ukraine. And Why in the world were they doing that? It made no sense. But they were talking about gain-of-function research and alleged that we were doing bioweapons work with the Ukrainians. This was going on in March of this with year. With Ukrainians. Correct. Yep. So he was trying to lay the pretext of, in my you know why would he do that? The only logical reason for the Russians to do that is because they're trying to set the stage for saying, hey, these biological weapons are coming out. It ain't us. It's the U.S. and the Ukrainians releasing it. And so, but and we were concerned about, about it, that. A lot but, but it was written on that, and we well, pushed back, saying, "Hey, this is nonsense." But why wouldn't the US be doing it? Why wouldn't be doing what?
1: We're building bio labs to make uh, weapons.
2: Well, we signed the treaty saying we would not use biological weapons in warfare, and I think, and I think we're we're following that. But you know, I think it's very probable so that we'll Trump could do that, and he could be doing it tomorrow. Well,
3: if you remember in Ukraine, the U.S. corporate media and political establishment first said, there's no bioweapons, there's no bio lab facilities in Ukraine. And then the Secretary of State, under Assistant Secretary, came out and said, uh, yeah. there, there's medical facilities in Ukraine we got to get to immediately before the Russians get to. And everyone's like, yeah, we're doing research there. What kind of research, gain-of-function research, mm-hmm. trying to take a virus and make it the most lethal, the most dangerous virus that we can in the name of science, even though many scientists argue that there hasn't been any gain-of-function done for any kind of scientific discovery, but predominantly done to uh, have bioweapons out there. So when you look at the the United States, uh, Barack Obama banned gain-of-function research. Donald Trump, for some reason, allowed it to happen, and that's when Dr. Fauci, Peter Daszak, EcoHealth Alliance went to Wuhan, China, and then started to do the COVID-back uh, coronavirus research there. Now they're doing it again under Joe Biden, but now they're doing it in Myanmar, Laos, and Vietnam. Again, Peter Dazak doing gain-of-function research on COVID coronavirus. I don't know if you heard of these, but, but this is something eye-opening. And of course, there was also similar uh, gain-of-function research being done in Ukraine as well.
2: Well, well, let me for a second defend the gain of function research as I've already attacked it. But the reason we do it is, is also avian flu is naturally mutating all the time. Every virus does. And biologists have been warning us for a long time now congressional testimony even saying avian flu will probably mutate to be human human transmissible even if humans aren't screwing around with it trying to deliberately do that so that's why we're doing the gain of function research on avian flu it is eventually going to develop i mean swine flu comes to pigs, develops, mutates. But we're not human. talking about that. So it's going to happen. Yeah. So they're doing the gain-of-function research because we want to have a human-to-human transmissible form of avian flu now so we can develop vaccines for yeah. it. That's why they're doing that it. Could, that's a legitimate reason That could I,
3: I could understand the argument for but that's not what they're doing. They're doing coronavirus bat uh, research that has no probability of ever uh, realizing in real life because
1: of natural circumstances. Right. Yes. So uh, I have this tweet from Tulsi Gabbard calling out Victoria Nuland saying, quote, Ukraine has biological research facilities, which, in fact, we are quite concerned that Russian troops may be seeking to gain control of. We are working with Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of Russian forces should they approach. So the issue now becomes trust. We have a quote from Victoria Nuland that there are biological research facilities in Ukraine that uh, there was a a, due to um, emails released. From the Hunter Biden laptop, which were confirmed by the Daily Mail and the New York Post, that uh, he was working on getting some funding, which went to—I think it went to a third party and then to these labs. I don't think he was directly working with the labs, but you know, now we're making now we're talking semantics. The the question is, am I supposed to just trust the U.S. is the one not doing this, and Putin, of course, is the is the unrepentant evil who is doing it, or am I supposed to look at this and look at this and just be like, it's war. The U.S. would be insane not to be engaged in researching advanced weaponry, defense systems, vaccines, or whatever? And uh, why wouldn't Russia as well? And at the very least, why would I assume that they have these biological research facilities with dangerous pathogens, and they're not understanding that whether the intention of the research is make a weapon, that weapons can arise from this? I mean, to go back to nuclear weapons, the 1938 uh, paper on you know nuclear fission wasn't a paper on how to make nuclear bombs, but they saw and went, we can make a bomb with that. So the research they're doing here in Ukraine with these bio facilities, they could be like, hey, if we release that, it's a weapon, right?
2: Yeah, I, I do not believe the United States is developing biological weapons. Um, you know, There's a lot of people who like to spread conspiracy theories in, in government, I was- Well, hold the, on,
1: hold on, Wait, what's a weapon?
2: A weapon is something designed to be used uh, to kill your enemy. And so what I think it, we're doing gain of function research for legitimate reasons. So we've got the bad virus so we can develop Vaccines for it, antidotes, treatment methods, and understand it. So why do the COVID? No, 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 no. no, 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 no.
1: I get, I get that. But is is dynamite a weapon? Uh, Can be used that way. Correct. Can any gain-of-function pathogen be used as a weapon? Yes, it can then be. The mis- your, then the U.S. by your... But in terms then you're of developing it as a weapon
2: program, no, the United States well, is now not you're, doing
1: but, that. But see, you're arguing intent, and we can't read anybody's mind. So the question is, when Alfred Nobel, he's the guy who made dynamite, right? And then they called him the merchant of death. It was intended, I, I believe, for mining. You can you can put Correct. it and you could pow, And then you can mine. Yep. Instead, it started being used as a weapon, which was not his intention. Nuclear fission, same thing, was not intended to make a bomb, made a bomb out of it. If the U.S. has labs... That are making dangerous pathogens. It's not a question of whether or not we we can argue the semantics over it's weaponized or a weapon or the intent was to make it a weapon. The fact of the matter is the U.S. has labs in Ukraine that are dealing with and advancing dangerous pathogens.
2: Well, I don't know what danger if the, what they were working on there if it was a dangerous pathogen or not. But every country around the world has biological research. The CRISPR technology, the bioengineering technology, it's all over the world. There's no turning back the clock. The ability to to either, by the way, the the I don't really get into the details, but the way to make avian flu is not a high-tech CRISPR technology. It's low-tech. Any any unabomber terrorist. Any small terrorist group could do this. You don't need high-tech biology yeah. stuff to make avian flu, mammal to mammal, human to human. Let real, real so, quick, real quick, yeah. real
1: quick. If a guy was making dynamite in his garage, would we say he's not making weapons?
2: Uh, no, he could be using it for good or bad purposes. But we don't We, we don't, don't know, know what but, he's doing it for, again, what point his intention is, is,
1: but he builds a lab to make dynamite. He's going to get arrested and charged.
2: It's inevitable that we are going to have pandemics. I had an article published in the American Interest back in 2016 called The Age of Bioengineered Pandemics and Collapse because we cannot stop this. It is going to happen. Either, you know, there's, there's natural mutations, but there's so many people with this technology. It's so widespread, so e- relatively easy to do that it is going to happen. And experts have testified before Congress. Warning is going to uh, happen, but has Congress done anything? Nothing. Just as they have done nothing about our electric system. There was a congressionally funded EMP study decades ago saying that our electric system is our Achilles heel. It's very vulnerable. Even even North Korea with one inaccurate low-yield nuclear weapon could take down the U.S. electric system for over a year. There's a documentary out right now called Grid Down, power up that gives you all the explanation of how our electric system is a disaster waiting to happen that any enemy uh, could exploit to take us down. And the estimate from that congressional study was that when the electric grid goes down, and they're talking about an EMP event that takes out the transformers that take a long time, very difficult to replace, the estimate was you could lose 90% of the U.S. population dead. Uh, Not just because of, you know, there's no electricity, there's there's no food production, there's no water systems. Also because people aren't just going to, you know, stay at home and, you know, quietly, politely die. They're going to go out to steal food and water to survive. You'll have massive loss of law and order, massive marauding, and people are going to get killed. Their estimate was you could lose 90% of the population. So Congress knows about that. They know about bioweapons threat. The Johns Hopkins biological experts have testified over and over before Congress, warning about avian flu, warning about bioengineering, but there's no votes in prevention and preparedness. They don't do anything about it. And so we're left in the the position where there was another documentary by, uh, I think it was Vice, called While the Rest of Us Die. So they've got Mount Weather. They've got... They've got Raven Rock, all these places they can survive, <laughs> but the rest of us, Nearby, there's nothing by the being yeah. done for us.
3: It's not far away, Marshall. We're there. on our own. Uh, I have a million things I'm going to bring up right now that I have jotted down, so hopefully I'll get to all of them. I, I think the United States military-industrial complex would be foolish not to develop weapons that other countries are developing as well. I think from a strategic point of view, it wouldn't make sense for the United States not to engage in this. Uh, you said a lot of the research is being done to, to help people to prevent and, and create vaccines, but the United States had an official biological weapons program where they weaponized anthrax, Q fever, and many others previously before. Why would they stop now? What evidence do you have that they stopped? And as we previously, as you previously mentioned, you said that the United States is doing this to, to help people, this gain of function is to help people. But uh, uh, we just talked about the, the COVID coronavirus. Why were they doing that research when there was no natural ability for that virus to, to be realized in human life? Uh, why were they officially doing that project when there was no particular need for it?
2: Uh, well, let me do the, the first part. I mean, We have stopped developing biological weapons. We, one, signed a treaty saying we wouldn't, and our government is largely full of good people who do, you know, the right thing. We don't have a biological weapon. Right. I'm sorry. I have to <laughs> push, back. Have to push two, back on that. Let me do number two before you—, you know, So the other number two thing is we have nuclear weapons. So if Putin does release a biological weapon against us, and we know it's Putin, can prove it's Putin, our response is we'll nuke the hell out of you.
1: You can't prove it.
2: That's— well, we might be able to. No, I not. mean,
1: I mean, the, the but issue-
2: that's our policy. That's the other reason we give up biological weapons is we have nuclear weapons. But but we signed and that if treaty with Russia. Biological weapons against us, the logical user response is we'll nuke the hell out of you.
1: Is is the is the EU in any way working on biological weapons?
2: Uh, probably not.
1: What if uh, the US? You're right; they are f- abiding by this treaty, and so in fact, the bioweapons research was happening in a country like Ukraine, which is not a NATO or EU member state.
2: Well, soon I don't- to be. Our government said they weren't and I do trust our government when they said the Ukraine was not doing a biological <clears throat> weapons program. What about chemical weapons? Well the security and uh,
3: the Secretary of State un- undersecretary officially launched that there's biological research facilities in Ukraine. Why would the United States not do that program domestically? Why would they choose a poor country that's known for corruption to do scientific experiments that are known to be dangerous that 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 sounds the alarms to a lot of people who are saying this is circumstantial evidence that they're doing this bi- biological dangerous research in their country not to have any fallout or responsibility here in the United States
1: this is the, the undersecretary this is the undersecretary and, 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 and and of state it doesn't but, but leak in the US let's let's, yeah. let's let's make sure we hit the nail on the head with the semantics here a bio, bio dangerous pathogens are there that's what Victoria Newland said biological research f- facilities are there Russian troops are trying to get in control of it. There's dangerous pathogens there at these labs. All of that is, according to the U.S. government, true and correct. Now, whether or not you want to argue it's a weapon or not is the intent of the person behind it. And if you can't read their mind, what's the point? Yeah,
4: this is the thing about white phosphorus. They used the American military used in Fallujah in 2004. They called it an incendiary. They said the purpose of this weapon is to light up the battlefield so we can see people. But what they don't say is that the white phosphorus was also melting the skin of the civilians that it was lighting up. So they said, hey, our intention wasn't to hurt people. So it's not a weapon. It's it's just a lighting up mechanism. Yeah, but it was also an incendiary weapon. So just because you call it research
1: for prevention doesn't mean that it's not also potentially going to wipe out the population. I I don't even care about the term research. If they are doing gain of function research, they are producing dangerous pathogens, period. Now, whether or not, look, like I mentioned, Alfred Nobel was shocked to discover he was the merchant of death when his obituary was accidentally published. Was he an inventor of a powerful weapon? I don't think that was his intention. And that's why he came out and was like, I got to do this peace prize thing. But again, if, if somebody, if, if a guy, uh, if the U.S. government said, we're going to be doing, we're going to be build, put, putting up a bunch of plants that build explosives, we would call that weapons research. Yeah, the now word now weapon said, is a pejorative. Right. and it, Or, or it, you know. You
4: just call them explosives, call them biological pathogens, call them chemical agents, you know, but whether or not they're weapons is irrelevant. But, but it's all attention my, based. My,
1: my point is, there could be someone in the U.S. government who says, hey, you know what? The U.S. government uh, needs explosives for construction, mining, clearing debris. So we're going to create a bunch of factories that make a variety of explosives. That guy does that. The next guy comes in and says, hey, you got a bunch of weapons here I can use. So we can argue about the definition of weapon, but the fact is the U.S. is making dangerous gain-of-function pathogens. If someone at any point decides to weaponize them, that'll be on them, but they exist and they can be weaponized.
5: Right. I think uh, it's kind of similar to the situation in Lebanon when you had all the buildup of that fertilizer. The, the fact of the matter was it's a time bomb waiting to happen, waiting for a spark. You know, I think no matter what, there still is fertilizer building up. There still is a situation that's arising. And it's only a matter of time before something kicks off that causes, a, you know, a calamity. The worst I just- you can expect.
1: I just mean to say it doesn't really matter if there's a person, you know, twirling their mustache, being like, we're making bioweapons because they are like, yeah, we're advancing dangerous pathogens. But don't worry, it's not for weaponizing. It's like, well, a bad person can get them. A bad person can get elected. A bad person can get promoted. A bad person can force their way in. And then there's no, I think, you know, I'm not trying to drag research I understand, like, you make a good point. The gain of function has a a, a real purpose. The problem is that technology is neutral and bad people will do bad things. So I don't like to jump out and be like, they're making weapons, as much as I'd like to say, they're not making weapons. No, they're making dangerous things. Exactly. It can be weaponized. Remember when they were like, Assad is gassing his own people. We need to invade. You know, come on, guys.
4: Keep your eyes open for Putin is dropping uh, biological agents on his own people, but he's doing it in Ukraine first. Come on, guys. Yeah. I want to, I want to, I want to jump
1: to this, this, I guess you can call it a story. This tweet from Interactive Polls, breaking. NASDAQ falls to two year low on Monday, minus 1.84%. S&P lost 1.2. Look at this picture. I mean, there's some green in there. Okay. It's not as bad as that, that image of when Joe Biden was raising his fists and then people put the collapsing market behind them all in red as that meme. That was, that was a good meme, but we're at a two year low now and the stock market is dropped below. The levels it was at before Biden became president. So, I don't. I don't want to make this one political. I want to make this one, this segment talking about the collapse of the economy, more personal for individuals, and uh, ask, you know, ask you, Drew, as we are watching an economic downturn, we're seeing inflation, we're seeing gas prices now go up. My question is, if this trajectory continues for whatever reason, be it the war or whatever, what happens to the average person's life? You know, so you know, you as as somebody who runs Fortitude Ranch, this this recreation and survivalist community, you, you you had to have done all the research in your, your middle-of-the-class nuclear family, economy hits, what does their life look like, and how bad can it get?
2: Well, you know, a lot of people are calling for the recession, so there, there could be losses of jobs coming, although thus far that hasn't really happened, higher prices. But the thing that's really going to hurt people next year is food prices, not just because of normal inflation everywhere, uh, but because of the lack of fertilizer, since they come largely from the Ukraine and Russia, and we're not getting those. And there's there's predictions of not just higher food prices, but in some parts of the world, you're gonna have famine next year. Because uh, food production is going to be way, way down. So Sri Lanka, Food right? prices are going to go way up. And there have been other contributing factors, mm-hmm. uh, uh, stupid government policies trying to stop fertilized use in some ways for environmental reasons. Uh, but we're the world is facing a bad famine situation next year, assuming something worse doesn't happen, like releasing a virus this year. Or nuclear
1: war yeah. or whatever. So uh, the average family, somebody who... I assume the average person, they don't really pay attention. You know, I was thinking, we were talking about the war stuff. I was like, why don't people care about care about this more? Why are there so many people that you try and talk about, that, I don't care about war. You know, What's going on? Putin? I don't even know who that is. Ukraine, where is it? And then I'm sitting here, you know, listening to Luke talk about the variety of things the U.S. is engaged in, what Russia is doing. And I'm thinking to myself, this is the kind of stuff that if you don't know about, one day it smacks you in the face. The, the, the war erupts, the food shortages, the food prices. For the people that have been paying attention and have done some degree of preparation, Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They're in a much better position. So with that with that in mind, let's say this escalates to hyperinflation. Let's say it does. something bad happens. Let's say it's either a nuclear strike. Let's say it's a virus or something happens. The average person... In the United States, what do you think their day is like when the grid gets hit or when, when, when gas price gases are gone or, or what happens in the worst-case scenario?
2: Well, it's bad news for them. I mean, government's top priority is protecting government, and that's, that's official policy. It's called continuity of government. And any kind of disaster or collapse, um, your police protection will go down. Uh, because number one, the priority is to protect the elected officials, the mayors, the governors, everyone else. So police normally doing patrols in your neighborhood, some of them will be called back to increase protection and care for government officials. I mean, uh, you're near Mount Weather here. I won't give out your exact location, but you're not yeah. far from Mount Weather. I drove by there about a month ago. I can't believe all the construction going on. Really? Mount Weather, huge mm-hmm. construction. Whoa. And, I've and I Googled. they getting ready. I can't find why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they've already got massive facilities and they're expanding them for government officials but there's nothing done for civil defense is gone in the united states and there's nothing being done and, and the thing that makes me the mad is there's not even the warnings uh, government should be issuing warnings to people about situations like the coming food price jump that we're going to experience uh, the likelihood of famine because of the again the russia ukraine situation and it just doesn't happen. There's, there's not care for us. It's all about you know, current issues and winning votes and you know, debates that relative to life and death are trivial.
1: All right, my favorite city in all this, New York City. What happens when the, when the grid gets hit, when the food stops flowing?
2: Uh, It'll be, it'll be, there used to be a saying in the preparedness industry, you know, 48 hours to animal, you know, in 48 hours, it'd take 40 hours for people to realize how bad it's getting. And then they turn into their animal instincts and they would kill to survive. I think it's more today, probably more like 48 seconds or 48 minutes to to animal because people are aware now that when the grid goes down for example again You ought to watch grid down power up documentary when the grid goes down Immediately there is no water system flowing. So people are gonna start filling their bathtubs. Everyone does that So within five minutes waters municipal water is gone. There's no five fuel minutes. being pum- Yeah, if everyone starts filling your bathtub and there's no pumping going on the system shut down so there's three days suit supply in an average supermarket that'll be gone in the first hour or two people are going to run to the grocery store and uh, they're either going to pay or more more likely they'll just start looting people and i think f- violence will start in the first hours uh, people stealing and potentially killing to survive because they're going to figure out hey there's no way you can survive in new york city without an electric system right there's a bad pandemic i
1: disagree uh we we were there like you were luke you were there during sandy right yeah yeah, the power was gone for, like, two weeks in, in, in like, like uh, Lower East Side, I think. I think it was a couple days out in the Upper West Side where all the rich people were. Is that what it was, Luke? It was, like, 72 hours something?
3: Yeah. Uh, Staten Island got hit really hard, um, and parts of Lower Manhattan got flooded, as well as yeah. some parts of Brooklyn. And it wasn't, you know, wasn't calamity. It wasn't too crazy. I
4: did a well, but, in but but in but Staten so Island. A the dude's the, the boat sh- was on the
1: street. It was nuts. The issue was that uh, they could still bring food in. There was still gas. There were still cars. No, now. That's
2: localized. I'm talking right. about you know a national uh, right. loss of the electric system, a national you know pandemic that's all over the place. So
1: this is what, what what I mean to say is when people have faith, the government exists, aid is coming, they're chill. But if something happens where people, their, their confidence has to be rocked. So my view is, I don't know about the first hour. I think a lot of people, the smart people. Maybe not even necessarily smart, but the more cutthroat, they're going to go out and they're going to get whatever they can as fast as they can. I think most people in New York are going to be looking around confused and just shrug. I got to tell you, man, I love telling that story of when I worked for Fusion and the fire alarm went off and everybody just sat around staring at it. As soon as the alarm went off, I got up and left the building. And then the people only left the building when the fire department actually ran in with their gear. That's the average person. The grid's going to go down They go, oh, the power is out. I I got to tell you this, a second story. I was in a, a, uh, working for fusion and I'm in New York and the power goes out and the alarms go on saying everyone remain calm and remain in the building. And I was like, no, thanks. And I left. I'm like, it was apparently there was a flood. There was a, there was a leak that hit something electrical and created a huge risk of fire. But they were like, no, 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 everyone stay calm. Just, just keep doing your thing. (laughs) I'm not sticking around for that. I think what's going to happen in cities like New York, something bad's really going to happen. And the average person doesn't read the news, doesn't watch the news, doesn't pay attention. And if they do, it's, it's through really bad sources who are lying to them. And so they're going to sit there and they're going to be told, hey, everybody, the economy is going to be fine. Just stay home for the day. A day goes by. The food's gone. The water's gone. The economy's gone. Their money's worthless. These people are going to lose it. They're either, I mean, most of these people are probably going to get, the marauders are going to come for them. These people don't seem like the kind of people who are going to be able to, to survive. But some of these guys are going to just go around and become marauders poor NPCs? I don't know.
3: There's a lot of obese people in the United States. I think they have a lot of extra fat that they're going to, of course, depend on, and uh, I'll think uh, they're they're probably going to TiVo American Gladiators or some sports balls and and then let their fat little, you know, whittle away and and start some fasting that that's not by their choice but but uh, obviously it all depends on there's a number of scenarios happening I, i wanted to ask you drew from from all your work especially with intelligence what do you think is the most likely scenario and situation especially after coming out of covid that that could lead to the worst case scenario what do you think is the most impactful the most likely situation
2: well, at Fort Hood Ranch, we actually track 50, we call them trigger events that yeah. could lead to a collapse. And the ones that we rate as, you know, ignoring Ukraine right now in the current situation. But overall, we rank a pandemic, a really bad pandemic is the most likely uh, event that's going to happen. And, you know, we've had biologists warning us that we're actually overdue for a really bad pandemic. They tend to, the, the influenza ones tend to come in cycles. We're kind of overdue for that. And uh, it's so easy to do man made. And it's so likely that a country like North Korea or Iran, you know, we're the great Satan to Iran. Uh, and again, you know, will the virus spread back to the country that releases it? Yes. But before I release the virus, I can develop vaccines clandestinely. Uh, so it won't hurt me when it comes back, or it won't hurt the people I care about in my country if I'm Iran or North Korea. Really hold, hold on, hold on,
1: hold on. I disagree. And I'll tell you why. Here's what I think would happen be it Iran, Russia, North Korea, China, or anybody, or they, some corporation. they will release the virus in their own country first, but a weaker strain of it. It will it will have a low mortality, which will result in some death, but most of the people will just get sick and then get over it. Stop giving them ideas, No, this no, no, is not giving them an idea. This is what happened with uh, Spanish flu. China, many people, uh, I was reading about the history, like why didn't China get hit by this? In fact, they did before Everyone else did. Right. A, weaker, a weaker strain, but a similar strain, swept across China. Many of them got very, very sick. When the Spanish flu then emerges, I think it was in, like, it was in the United States, but then it was seen in Europe during, with all the fighting, so that's how, I believe how, it's got, how, how it got its name. When this starts spreading, it does make its way back to China, but they already had immunity to it from the weaker virus that had hit them. So I think what would actually happen is a smart country produces two versions, a very weak version and a very strong version. They give themselves the weak version first, then the strong version is released. So when it does come and hit them, mortality is minimal.
2: But, but the point is this technology, this ability has never existed before in human history. It's out there now. There's all kinds of forms that could happen with. And, you know, the experts use the word inevitable. We are going to have these kinds of pandemics. But but back to your question, Luke, it's not just pandemics. The other really big one, likely one, is our fragile electric system because it's vulnerable in so many ways. We've been talking about, you know, a nuclear EMP attack. And, and North Korea's nuclear weapons, this is open source, this is some classified information. The Russians helped them, actually Soviets before Russia, helped them design Uh, nuclear weapons that are designed for maximum EMP effect. They don't have to be accurate. They go off in our atmosphere, one or two, and the US electric grid is toast at that point. There's cyber attack that could take down the grid. There's physical attacks, and they've been done. There was an attack out at a station in California, a very well carried out attack that destroyed the transformers there Is it cyber attack uh, no physical attack wow. there's a lot of solar flares natural effects can yeah. take down our electric grid that's again you've got to watch I, this documentary grid down power up there's so many ways our fragile electric system could go and when i say go it's gone for over a year or more and most americans will not be alive when it if it comes back up we'll be I, dead
1: i think we've been hit by cyber attacks oh, we have recently and you just don't hear about it. A lot of there was a uh, there was one story. It was highly speculative. I know, I know. I'm just saying, just a, a thought. It was around the time that Donald Trump was uh, an airstrike was on on its way to Iran. Trump calls it off and says no. Publicly, he says, "I did not think that you know 500 people who would have died. The loss of life was was worth what we would be retaliating for, or something to that effect." However, around the same time that the U.S. launches this 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 fleet to go conduct an airstrike a refinery in Philadelphia explodes. I asked some of my, uh, my hacker buddies, do you think there's a, that, that, what, what, is the, what is the likelihood that in response to the U.S. engaging in a military operation, Iran used a, uh, conducted a cyber attack against a refinery, blowing it up, and we know they did it, so we backed off. And told me it was very, very low, not very likely, um, however possible, but just not at all likely. They, they all basically said, no, 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 no way, no way, no way. Lottery tickets, chance. But possible, sure, I guess. So my thing is, that was just one example of a scenario where I see this and I'm like, could it have been that they the cyber attack blew up the uh, the petroleum refinery? So then Trump seeing that vulnerability cancels the attack, knowing it's going to lead to a greater escalation in cyber warfare. Maybe, maybe not. Again, I'll stress, my expert buddy said they don't think that was the case based on how it went down. But thinking about that, there have been many circumstances where we've seen various industrial facilities get, you know, have fires start abruptly. And the answer is sometimes fires start. Are we hyper focused on this and now we're assuming it's going to be a cyber attack or are we in a normalcy bias that we cannot see that we are actually under attack when we are? How would we even know?
2: And then there's there's a lot more threats too. Um, the the threat of nanotechnology, some new technologies we keep coming out with. You know, you were talking earlier about unintended consequences. A lot of people working with nanotechnology are concerned about that. Elon Musk is always talking about artificial intelligence, and and I think the artificial intelligence threat is very much there, but not in the normal way you see in a movie where the computer becomes, you know, thinking and and evil. The bigger threat from artificial intelligence is some terrorist group or a nation, you know, North Korea has tremendous cyber capability, actually programming and releasing a virus, you know, instructing computers, maximize human death through the means you've got, uh, that kind of a system of doing it. Uh, but there's many other sources that, that could lead to disaster beyond pandemics or a vulnerable electric system. Zombies? Other new technologies. Don't what's have the, those what's on the over, list of what, What's the
3: over on, under on zombies and civil war?
2: Civil war is a big one. And so I was just going to mention one other thing. Ray Dalio is you know either, it's either Nassim Taleb or Ray Dalio are probably the two smartest people alive I know of today. He's the founder of Bridgewater, the most successful hedge fund uh, in history. Yeah, we gotta get Ray Dalio on you the show. He'll be on amazing show. on the show. So he has estimated recently there's a 30% likelihood of war with China in the near future. That's his estimate, he's a China expert. And he's also said he sees a 30% chance of civil war after the next presidential election. He says, you know, the, these are not calculated numbers, back to your earlier question, you know, these are guesstimates. But he's, he's a very wise man, As hedge fund, you know, as, Makes it success based on trying to understand how the world is, how things are developing. So, again, on trigger events, 30% chance of a, a war with China, that could be a nuclear war with nuclear strikes on the homeland. That leads to a collapse because our society is so fragile, so government dependent, and there's just a lot of bad people. And one other thing that you know, I've never seen this anywhere in print or in the media, but a huge threat and vulnerability we face in the United States is the one5 million Americans in jail. One and a half million Americans in jail. So when there's a pandemic, a 60% lethal pandemic, do you think guards are gonna go to work and risk? They're not gonna go to work. If the electric grid goes down, how do prisons work? I used to be a county commissioner. I've been in jails. Jails cannot function without electricity. That's how you control all the doors. It's all electric.
1: Will they open or will they stay locked?
2: They are probably going to come open. I mean, there's generator backup. Hospitals will claim, oh, we've got generator backup. They've got backup for maybe three days at the most. That's a good thing. So you can have one and a half million Americans, most of them aren't bad criminals, but a lot of them are who are in jail and they have absolutely no preparedness. They've got no house, they've got no food. So when they get out of their jails, either released or they just get out on their own, what are they going to do? They're going to maraud. It's the only way they're going to stay alive. They don't have a house. They don't have home and food and water. They've got to go out and steal from other people. Probably kill them in the process to survive. And I, I no I, I, one well, ever I gotta, talks about that. That's I got say Our government is not getting us prepared well, for events that experts are
1: say are inevitable. I, I, I disagree on the prison thing though. Prisons would be one of the safest and most secure places to remain. So if if you're there, you've got a bunch of guys. You've already got gangs. So Correct. If, if there's no more guards, they, there might be a lot of infighting. If that is the case, the end result is going to be someone who owns a fortress now. They may go and maraud, but they're going to use the prison as like a fortress base of operations and control it. And there's weapons in there. So they are instantly going to be armed, armored, and determined, and have facilities. And it's, it's going to be night. It's, it's, look, I'll, I'll say it's, it's worse than you're, you're, you're predicting. Prisoners will get out and go maraud, they're going to have a fortress base of operations with weapons, and then, you know, they're going to go out and go on their patrols. And you probably, I mean, maybe you'll notice they're wearing prison clothes, but it's not going to matter. Guys with guns are going to come up and say, "You work for us now. We control this massive fortification, so you can't even get to us if you wanted to."
2: That, that's a worse scenario than I had imagined.
1: Let me first. let me ask you about this though. You mentioned driving past Mount Weather, and so I looked up this story. From the, from the U.S. Sun, ready for nuke Armageddon inside doomsday bunkers designed by U.S. government to withstand nuclear apocalypse and restart America in case of wipeout. They say the U.S. government built several doomsday nuclear. Look at these pictures. Why are they? Why would they even show anybody? This is Cheyenne Mountain. Can withstand a 30 megaton nuclear bomb. Oh, OK. So you mean it can't withstand the, the Satan 2 missile? What's the point? Thanks for telling us. I got to tell you, I see these videos, I'm sorry, I see these photos, these stories about Mount Weather. Am I really supposed to believe that Raven Rock, Mount Weather, these facilities are the legitimate facilities for our government when we all know they exist? And 30 megatons, is that it? Come on. Sarbama was 100 at full capacity. Not yeah. that they're going to get a bomber over it, you yeah, know, like Yeah,
2: but taking out an underground uh, fortified facility is not so You have to have tremendously good accuracy. I grew up in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, 60 miles from Offutt Air Force Base Strategic Air Command uh, headquarters, you know, one of the top nuclear targets. And I remember reading one day that the— the, uh, I, the, the accuracy of Russian Soviet missiles is about 50 miles, although that's great, they're gonna aim it off and they're gonna hit me in Lincoln. I mean, <laughs> they're not that accurate. Now, that's improved a lot. Our weapons have improved a lot, but when was the last time we even detonated a nuclear weapon? It's been about 30 years we got rid of underground nuclear testing. So for a nuclear weapon to go and take out something like Mount Weather, it'd have to be very, very accurate. Weapon would have to have you know its full yield, but why? Uh, and, why? And, and they're probably not going to have that accuracy. So I think they will survive in Mount Weather. No, no I'm
1: saying they've got to have other bunkers. We don't know. Well, they have a lot of
2: them. There's yeah. site R. There's quite a few in Pennsylvania. Again, you guys are in kind of in a bad place for nuclear weapons here. I, I, mean, I disagree. Camp actually. David, you got the Pentagon. You got D.C. You got Mount Weather. You got Site R. And I again, don't. Think- they're not that accurate. So if they're aiming at them, they could end up landing on you.
1: I think, well, first, before we get into the nuclear stuff, I wanted to ask you about driving past Mount Weather. They're doing construction
2: there. Oh, a lot of it. And I see, that's above ground, and most of it's underground. So I can't imagine what's going on underground. So it's already been a huge FEMA facility. We've got to get some reporting and, on this. we got to send somebody
1: yeah. to go interview somebody. To get disappeared, you mean? Politely uh, uh, th- request an interview. <laughs>
3: you, <laughs> and the government is very secretive, especially about their other facilities that they don't talk about, that there's no pictures of, that there's no talk about. Uh, there's no talking about. There's a lot of underground facilities that the United States has been investing in. There's a reason the Pentagon has secret clandestine black budgets. There's a reason why so much money is missing from the federal coffers because a lot of times they're spending it on a lot of top secret projects that are underground facilities that they have already implemented that no one even knows about.
5: Like black sites, yeah.
3: And,
1: and again, black well
3: the, well, the black sites are in Egypt and Poland well, so, and so other places around the world tell, where tell they me, torture people, but that's a different scenario.
1: I'm, I'm interested in Mount Weather because it's very close to where we are. And so, what, what's what's the gist of this? Can you tell us the basic, like what is it?
2: Sure, it's an underground shelter. Uh, FEMA defends it on the surface, and the military troops will be there as well. But it's a place where congressmen will go. It's fairly close to DC, so they can whisk them off there. And they've got fantastic facilities. They even have media rooms. So the congressman can continue to, you know, transmit to their constituents and, you know, not lose votes if there's another election, I guess. Uh, but they have fantastic facilities where they'll stay alive and nothing is done for the rest of us. You know, we don't even give us warnings. Hey, you might want to do your own preparations. Things are kind of bad. Oh, no, no. no. It's, the, it's the, just the, for them.
1: The modern left mocks those who would be prepared for even a rainy day. It's 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 amazing. We've got these these hurricanes, these floods, but it is it is a joke. It's it's it is common urban culture to mock preppers, mm. to assume that anybody who's prepared in any way is some lunatic mountain man. When you know, I was in uh, uh, I was in Arizona a couple of years ago, and uh, I was during the toilet paper conflict. Everyone's fighting over toilet paper. I go to a gas station and some lady, you know, I say like, "How has it been out here?" And she's like, "This is the middle of nowhere, Arizona. It's like a, a weird little rest stop." And she's like, "Oh, we're good. We're preppers." So we've got like three months worth of toilet paper already. So we haven't noticed anything. And I started laughing and I was like, you know what? While they're all fighting in Walmart over toilet paper, they're making fun of you for having it. Isn't It's just the craziest thing.
2: Yeah, well, the, the image of preppers and preparedness has improved a lot over the past couple of years. It was partly COVID-19, but it was really less COVID-19 than things like Portland and the, all the unrest that was going on. People saw how if people start protesting, start looting, police cannot stop it. I'm not criticizing police. There just aren't many of them compared to people. If a lot of people start breaking the law, start looting, start doing whatever they want to do, you cannot stop them. So people have realized that, you know, you really do need preparedness. People can get out of control, can do violence, and you cannot put it down. There's not enough police or even military folks to do that.
1: One of the funniest things ever was when the pandemic started and a bunch of liberals were lining up outside of gun stores to buy guns for the first time. And the best thing to emerge from it was the gun store, I think it was in California, where they were like, the guy makes a video saying, stop complaining to me about why you can't buy a gun. You voted for this. You all voted for it. People people come to the gun store thinking they can buy a gun and then walk out of the store with it, and they can't. They got to come back three days later, and they're freaking out. Like, what? Why? Like, there's a pandemic. There's no food. I need I need to protect myself. Well, too bad. You voted for it. That's why I like states like West Virginia. Conceal uh, Constitutional carry. You walk in, you got to fill out your federal background check. But, uh, you know, the first time you do it, I think... I, everyone I've seen the first time they've tried, they've been held up a little bit for a day or a couple of days. But then after that, it's like you walk in, you can get it, you can carry it right out, conceal it, and whatever, and take care of yourself, and you can defend yourself. So I feel like New York City is going to be, man, I don't, I don't even know. I don't think any movie has entered, any movie or any fiction has done apocalypse justice as to what I think would actually happen in a city like New York, in Central Brooklyn. Where in the first day when a collapse happens, nobody has any idea what's going on. They have food in their fridge. It starts running out. They go and look around. People are confused. By the second day, all the food's probably gone, taken. Within a few days, anything that was perishable has perished. There's some canned goods left. And now people are really hungry and really thirsty and looking around wondering what's going on. So what? By then, the smart people have all left. And the people who aren't smart and have been confused this whole time, what, eat each other? Drink blood?
2: Well, well, there is a much, much bigger and better awareness of preparedness in the U.S. over the past years. I mean, that's absolutely clear. We cannot keep up with the demand. We get people every day emailing us, asking for information, wanting to join, and we just fall further and further behind. We can't meet the demand. That's why Fort Ranch has started franchising now. We can't build enough to keep up, so we're franchising now. That's kind of crazy. So if you've, got a, if you've <laughs> got a survival community or if you've got a, you know, an RV park, you've got a ranch and you think, hey, I could have a nice survival survival facility here, you can now build one and we will help you do it through our franchise broker because we can't keep up. We also can't keep up with hiring. Uh, so we're looking for more folks. If anyone's interested in working on our staff or the staff of a franchisee, you know, if you want to contact fortituderanch.com on our website, we're looking for more people, but we can't keep up with demand. And there's one other point I wanted to make: is the other reason why preparedness has had a, a bad image, is is that stupid show Doomsday Preppers, which made preppers look like idiots. When the reason they did that is the first rule of prepping is. Don't tell anyone you're a prepper, you keep it a secret. You don't want people to know, hey, I got a lot of guns and food and ammo at my house, if there's a pandemic, or the grids down? They're yeah. going to come to your house. Yeah. Or, 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 or chickens. Either to bed. Yeah, you, you keep that confidential. So no one is going to go on a TV show and say, hey, I'm a prepper. Here's all my preparations. Here's what I've got. They only had idiots on that show. So that, that, <laughs> totally, that totally. show really hurt preparedness. Smart people are preppers. It's insurance. It's a life insurance policy, not to pay you if you die, but to, to keep you alive. So our members are very smart people. They're largely professionals. Yeah, we got a lot of former military. We have some intelligence officials but largely it's you know it's business people and people who are smart and educated and they don't talk about it they keep it confidential but the demand is growing 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 and we can't keep up so we're looking for more was staff and more franchises how many
3: how many government officials do you have contacting you for your services and 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 the guilty pleasure i really like that show that you mentioned cuz it was really fun to watch <laughs> um, <but laughs> yes. not st- not strategic but but mm. it was fun to see
2: uh, well government officials don't need us again they've got that i mean even even at the state level you know, the state patrol provides protection to the government in the normal course what, of duty, and they'll do a lot more when there's a collapse.
1: What about government employees?
2: Uh, we have government employees. We have people from Homeland Security, from the Pentagon at our West Virginia location. Do, does that, does, that,
1: is, does it seem like there's more of them? More, more people work for the government than other sectors?
2: No, most of our members are some business professionals, is probably our most common category. We have a lot of doctors now. That's the other thing COVID 19 changed for us is the medical community really got hold of preparedness. Wow. We, we used to be, it used to be, you know, sometimes we would have a hard time getting doctors. And we had four doctors at Fort Ranch Colorado. I don't need four doctors there. Uh, but a lot of them have joined since the pandemic. Wow.
4: When you guys are franchising. How does that work? How do you get involved with someone that has space that wants to become a franchisee?
1: Well,
2: oh, I think on our website, there's information on it. But basically, we're going to provide you the training, the operations manual, help you design your facility and make it possible for you to be part of the 14 Ranch system. And you will be part of our system because our system is, again, we're a survival community, but we're also a recreational facility. So you can be a member in West Virginia, but you can go to our lake property in Wisconsin you come to a high mountain desert in Nevada come to Texas and you know go to San Antonio and the attractions down there it's a vacation place too so you have a home fort where your stuff is and where you try to get in a collapse but again if you're if you're a West Virginia member but you know you're doing the Tim show out in California and the shit hits the fan and you can't get back to West Virginia, you can go to Nevada and we'll take care of you there. And a franchise would be the same way. You're part of the system. So yep. your members have the right to, they'll, they'd be home fording at your place, but they could use any of the fording ranch facilities. Their, but, if um, thing,
3: but if things get bad, you got to go work in the field.
2: Oh, absolutely! Our members understand that you know it's a vacation place. You know, come out, shoot weapons, have fun in good times. In bad times, we will work you very hard. Everyone will do guard <laughs> duty, and we got a lot of work to do. Uh, we'll be cutting down trees, building our walls, improving our defenses, slaughtering animals. We'll be poaching massively. I mean, if you're a deer near us. Uh, when the shit hits the fan, we will be shooting you and making jerky out of you. So it's a and lot what, of work. And then,
1: what about expanding the territory and seizing the land from the from the surrounding uh, villages? Oh, uh, we don't do that.
2: We are we're <laughs> strictly uh, strictly a defensive militia. We're not. I'm Steve Renee. Our CEO has been on your show several times, and I know he's pointed out we are not an offensive militia. We're not a militia group. There are good militia groups. Don't get me wrong, but we are not one. We don't do anything offensive. We defend our private property in a collapse.
1: But but let's let's say we're now you know five years into a collapse the surrounding homes have all been abandoned you gotta have scout patrols go out and start looking for seeing what's going on and you know they, I imagine you guys would not be offensive but what if there's abandoned land Do you need it for grazing or expansion because now you got more people are coming or you've signed on more village members I suppose mm-hmm. or let's say it's even 15-20 years you're gonna have more people more kids you're gonna need to expand it's
2: uh, well, we actually, haven't thought that through, to be honest with you. But, you know, f- we're hoping that uh, the recovery would start within a year or two if it's a really bad pandemic. And eventually, we're hoping that some law and order will return. Uh, but if not, you know, we'd have to deal with whatever it is. That's why all of our ranch managers, you know, we're former military officers and enlisted folks who have good background and good judgment. And then our membership is, is really well-educated, good people. So we've got a core of people, you know, 100 plus people at every location. So, we could do whatever we need to do in a responsible manner to survive and then to recover after things improve
4: well, two more questions about the franchising one it's um it's for profit the company's for profit yes um and then if someone opens up a franchisee location are they doing all the hiring and taking all the profits themselves or are you guys supplying the funds for them to do hiring and then you take they a cut their of their the profit?
2: Hiring. they're a private business the only difference is you know unlike a typical franchise where you know your customers are kind of your customers if you join 40 grant you're part of the whole system that's kind of a key advantage we offer is again you may not be able to get back to your home fort you you may want a vacation to another location. So members are all in one system, but it is your, your property, your Forty Ranch location, your business. You hire, you fire, you supervise.
4: And then do you pay like a franchise licensing fee or something? Yes, there's a two?
2: franchise fee to join and then a percent of royalties like any other franchise.
1: Cool. But then when the apocalypse happens, you have a network. Correct. And so I'd imagine if, you know, one, one location is starting to suffer, the other locations can provide assistance. Uh,
2: We'd we'll be, uh, we'll be up on ham radio. So we've got our frequencies and times of day that, you know, Correct. at this time and this night, we're on this frequency so we can connect. So, for example, back to the doctors we've got. I mean, we've got, like, you know, cancer experts at some place. We've got OBGYN, you know, birthing doctors at another but at night, mainly use HF radio at night with better bouncing off the signal. So at night, you know, the doctors can confer. So we can do that kind of, but in terms of physical assistance during a collapse, no, probably not. A 14-inch is pretty much gonna be on their own. You gotta hunker down and there's probably gonna be no outside contact. I wanna to jump to contact.
1: this story. Uh, did, you, did you have another question you wanted to ask? You said, no, 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 no. that okay. was it. Well, let's jump to the story from Insider and get into the, into the meat and potatoes here, this PayPal story. Insider reports PayPal falls after weekend blowback over misinformation policy that would have fined users $2,500. The stock fell 6% on Monday following the company's botched acceptable use policy update. The company faced backlash after its updated policy included a fine of $2,500 for a variety of things, but it included hate speech against marginalized groups and spreading misinformation. And it said, at PayPal's sole discretion to determine, meaning... They could just be like, you said the sky was blue. I disagree. Yoink, give me your money. So this resulted in uh, uh, PayPal coming out and being like, no, 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 it was, it was an error, it was an error, it was a mistake. So the first thing I want to say, because this affects us, several months ago, we took PayPal off timcast.com and we knew something like this was coming. We've, we've seen too much ESG in banking institutions, too much censorship. We knew it's a, it was a huge vulnerability. So we signed up with Parallel Economy, when you go to TimCast.com and become a member, the the default option is Parallel Economy. Secondary option is Stripe. Stripe's okay. They're not perfect. Parallel Economy is very, very good. They're not perfect. But Dan Bongino co-founded this to be more censorship resistant. So many people chose to remain as members using PayPal. I recommend you guys switch over if you can. I'm not sure there's a seamless way to do it. If you, When you signed up, many people signed up as guests with a guest PayPal account. That means you just terminate your account at Timcast.com and then re-sign up. But of course, that means you'll get charged ten bucks again. So if you're in like the middle of the month, it's it's kind of it kind of sucks. I guess I would say for, for for those Situation: Wait until your month is over, and then before you're charged next, cancel and then switch over or something like that. That would be that that would be good. Or if you really don't mind a couple of bucks, it does support us because we we do use it to to you know obviously uh, conduct operations here at Timcast. But this was bad, and I got to say right now, one trial balloon. I certainly think so. They they probably would have ran with this if there wasn't a, a major backlash to it. And I think uh, I think the other thing is just. Well, I shouldn't say there's two things. Regardless of of the first uh, instance, the trial balloon, this will eventually become normal mainstream. They are going to implement this. They just did it with a heavy hand. So it's coming. Yeah.
3: I mean, uh, absolutely. And PayPal has been doing this for a very long time. They have been weaponized for the benefit of the political state for a very long time, including originally uh, from when I remember going after Julian Assange, freezing his ability to be able to collect money online. They went after crypto individuals. They went after a free speech union. They partnered with the SPLC, a discredited, horrible organization that, of course, was sued successfully many times for defamation and slander of of individuals that they attacked politically. Politically. So uh, PayPal does not have the best interest. I'm switching mine. I already switched mine to an alternative. I'm, I'm switching to more alternatives because the free market uh, is where it's at. And, and PayPal has had a dominance in the space. Some people have said that they are a monopoly. I kind of agree with them because a lot of people uh, have been politically shut off from PayPal and are unable to to do a lot of banking online because of that larger
4: target put on put on their backs artificially by PayPal. If anyone wants to know, Vanguard, BlackRock, and State Street own about eighteen percent of PayPal. <laughs> Makes sense, as they do with so many corporations that are.
1: Public. What 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 about internationally? Do they have a lot of international interests? That's the, that's what I wonder. PayPal, no, uh, Vanguard, BlackRock, and State Street. I don't know because I, I I was talking to a, a real estate agent. We we you know obviously we're expanding. We want to do our brick and mortar shop, and the guy mentioned something about. Financing for big properties or like BlackRock, I started laughing and I was like, I don't want to go anywhere near those companies. You know these these, these things they, they they do. I don't. Maybe it wasn't BlackRock. Maybe it was a different. Maybe it was Blackstone. Stone. Stone's yeah. doing the housing developments right. Right, now. right. But they, and they're like, uh, but they were they were similar companies, right? They're related in some way.
4: Yeah, the one was a spinoff of the other.
1: Yeah, yeah. What I see with this is, you know, we've been talking about nuclear war and everything. What I see here is, I don't know if if, if civil war is the right word, but some kind of look. It's, it's policies like this that if they were to effectively implement would result in some kind of, I don't know, insurgency. You're, you're, if we keep censoring people, if we keep shutting down businesses, if we if, if the, the DOJ is continually going after only one political faction, eventually you get some kind of disruption and fighting and destabilization in the United States. So I guess my question to you is, do you think that there is a, a potential with the expansion of these kind of policies into civil war or revolutionary kind of insurgency and fighting within the country?
2: Again, we, we talked about Ray Dalio earlier, you know, earlier this year mentioning that he thinks there's a 30% chance of civil war after the next presidential election. If it's close, especially uh, the losing side may say, you know, I don't buy it, and uh, especially if they continue to be so split in policies and philosophies. I mean, the U.S. is very much a split country. And uh, so you could see. I mean, I'm in Texas now, and the Texas movement, uh, Texas leave the United yeah. States, succeed movement, is uh, is very very big. Uh, it has a lot of support. I mean, some polls show most Texans support getting out of the country. Wow! So you could see. Uh, you could see the country falling apart. It could happen. Now, would it be a shooting war? I have a hard time. Civil unrest, I can see. I don't see you know a civil war like our civil war. Uh, I just don't think the military would get involved in that. I don't think they would fight in something like that. So I don't see that kind of a civil war, but I can certainly see uh, states like Texas, and, and you know, I, I personally believe that the the Constitution, uh, in my reading of it, is that you don't have to, you know, you're not forced to stay in forever. And that's just been a Supreme Court has tried to make some decision since then, but the Supreme Court made a, made a decision in the mid30s that basically said, you know what? screw the Constitution, forget about the 10th Amendment, Congress, you can pass whatever you want and spend on whatever you want. And the Supreme Court basically nullified the Constitution, at least the 10th Amendment in the mid-30s, and then wow. they proceeded to do other things. So yeah. there's nothing in the Constitution that says a state has to stay in the union forever. And Texas knows it, there's, there's movements elsewhere, so they could really take off after a bad uh, contested election. And if they go, there's no forcing them back. And the really odd thing is I could, I could foresee a country like Texas succeeding and then telling the United States, you know what, we're out of your stupid domestic socialism policies, but we'll stay allied with you. We'll continue to send Texans into the US military and we'll be allied wow. with you. And if the Democrats said no to that, the next best thing they could do is Texas could go, you know what, let's join the British Commonwealth. <laughs> Seriously. I doubt support they would do that. Support the British military, and we'll go back into the Commonwealth. The Commonwealth may be less of a f- bad fit than being with the socialist, democratic controlled United States.
1: I, for Texas. The UK is not doing too well on that front. They're about 10 times worse than the democratic socialist problems in the United States. Correct. No, but in the that.
2: Commonwealth, I don't have to take their domestic policies. I'm well, just in their right. military. I'm talking about for military yeah. and foreign policy, not for domestic policies.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe wouldn't maybe. that be
2: ironic, though, to have uh, some U.S. states succeed and go back and join the Commonwealth?
1: I don't. I don't. That one seems like a long shot. But I do see a possibility of what people refer to as national divorce or peaceful divorce. Mm-hmm. But here, here's the thing about the PayPal stuff. It's it's a big example of of how we're getting into this dangerous authoritarian period. The fact that a financial institution would say we can take money from your business from your account, regardless if you say things we don't like, that's nightmarish. At the same time. Stripe emerged, and now they're competing heavily with PayPal. Locals, which is now Rumble, uses Stripe. Parallel economy emerges. It is bad what PayPal is doing. They are powerful. They are dominant. But maybe these, uh, these alternatives are inevitable. You know, when Facebook was engaging in all the censorship at the height of, uh, uh, of 2020, or 2018 and 2019 into 2020, a lot of people were saying, don't worry, an alternative will emerge eventually. And many have. But I also kind of think just Facebook is kind of just dwindling as it is with with, with uh, younger people and TikTok is getting picked up, which is even worse. So I don't think there's always a solution in that the market will provide. But we are seeing, at least when it comes to PayPal, the market here hit them by 6%. Users are jumping ship. Maybe that's the, the white pill moment. That's the optimistic thing that as much as things are getting bad, this PayPal's backlash, I'll say this looks like a de-escalation in terms of all this stuff.
3: Well, they reversed the policy, which, which speaks volumes. I mean, for, for them to come out with a bold policy saying that they're going to steal grandma's purse in the middle of the night as she's walking down the street is a pretty egregious move for, for the crime of wrong thing. It's absolutely wild that they could try to justify stealing and theft like a government would from its citizens <laughs> as as a form of punishing people for thinking incorrectly and and. I, I think, yes, it's optimistic that they reversed it, but it's also pretty crazy that they thought that they could get, they, they could get away with this. That's that's another part of this that we need to mm-hmm. understand here. They, they thought that this was viable. They thought that this was okay, which is absolutely insane. And this shows you how far they go when it comes to mind control and when it comes to uh, policing the thoughts of, of American citizens to the point where they're like,
4: we're just going to take it all. Oh, yeah. Get in my head for a minute. I'm an Austrian banker. I run the Bank for International Settlements in Switzerland. I'm letting the US survive with my money. If I want to cut them off from my money supply, I can. The most annoying thing in the world right now is American republicanism because they think that they're so great. They think it's they're the best, they're screwing up, they're obese, they're screwing up the country. I would love nothing more than to see the United States split apart in a civil war because that's the biggest threat to my global takeover. I want to spread my seed. I want everyone using my money. I want the Bank for International Settlements to be running the world. And the Americans are annoying, man. So that's that That's that perspective of this global banking cartel. That's what Stripe is doing. Ethereum is the alternate. It's not about dollars and cents. Great that parallel economies using American dollars, fiat currency, Federal Reserve notes for now. Great that Stripe's doing it. Stripe's still private. I think they're looking at going public, which means BlackRock's going to own them pretty soon. I don't know when that's happening or they've been talking about it since 2021. People are going to take that clip of you saying you want to spread your seed everywhere. Yes. I want <laughs> to spread, I here. want to inseminate the world with my Fiat crap. <laughs> But if it looks like Ethereum, which is also kind of on a path to fiat, unfortunately, with their transition to proof of stake now instead of proof of work. doesn't matter who's making the currency. It matters well, who has it. They're going to be making more.
2: I don't think it's fiat currency. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i I'm an Ethereum fan. And there are other great blockchains and cryptocurrency. Bitcoin was, you know, applauded for being the first, but it, it's not a very good one. And it wasn't expected to be just to prove the concept. But there are a lot of great cryptocurrencies. Which could, I mean, Zelle is an answer, an alternative to PayPal, just doing it with your Zelle and your bank. But, but the long-term uh, evolution could well be cryptocurrency that is controlled by no one, other than people using it. So the Ethereum, their new, uh, their new uh, process to confirm a block of data and to lock it in. You know, you're just it's people like me. I, I'm one of them now. I have some of my Ethereum. I've pledged to go to their system so it's not like a it's not like i'm pledging yeah. us dollars or fiat currency i'm pledging ether well yeah. the I, I, I heard, some, it, I heard yeah. some
3: rumors that e- 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 that some people on the ethereum network were working with like the world economic forum yeah. and their vision of a centralized currency they are well this is what i read is that yeah. ethereum is going to
4: be the one world government coin
3: well, uh, it's also important to Really? So here. buy Ethereum? Is that what you're
4: saying? No! No! <laughs> <But the laughs> Stop reason, <laughs> financing the monsters. The reason, like, reason I say it's fiat is you're because... You're triggering me here! Bitcoin has 19 million Bitcoins, 21 million that'll ever be printed. They can be broken down into what are called Satoshis, which is the lowest decimal right. amount. So we have a finite amount of them. They're not fiat uh, in that sense. There's a finite amount. But Ethereum can be printed indefinitely cool. as it's currently standing, which means that, you know, if enough... Inflation happens fast enough. You're just going to see an escalation and a fiat explosion of Ethereum two. Um, they could always evolve it, create a fork, create Ethereum three that's actually deflationary by nature, which I think is the future of crypto. Is a crypto that as long as it sits there, it's constantly degrading in value. You have one well, today, you're losing point zero zero one percent of that every day. So you're encouraged to spend it. You want circulation of currency, you want currency circulating through any given system, that's what a currency is. It's a current. It's a current. And and
3: just to add to your point, the BlackRock CEO came out not so long ago and he said this ukrainian war could be used to quote accelerate the use of central bank digital currencies so Mm. these fed coins these 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 coins orchestrated by the federal reserves and central banks are already being implemented in places like canada and australia the u.s federal reserve is talking about implementing one here in the united states so a lot of people foresee a, a deliberate brought on economic calamity that's engineered here in the united states in order to bring on these centralized digital currencies which of course will track trace and database and also create a social credit score like system that will track how much carbon you produce that will of course also punish you for your wrong political thoughts this is what paypal is probably working on on the back end this is what the federal reserve is already uh, working on and implementing in many other countries which should scare the utter crap out of everyone paying attention right now
4: I think of the, it's, it's inevitable that the writing's been on the wall since maybe the 1980s, really since the Federal Reserve formed and realized, yo, we're just going to inflate this thing until we can't anymore. They have to have some like future vision of what it's going to become. And it doesn't surprise me that it's a global, trackable currency that's digital and can be shut off with the flip of a switch. Where, where did you see that they said uh, Ethereum
1: would be like that global I'll currency? See if I can find an article about it. Who, who said that? I, it was a, some article I was reading uh, a couple ago. I don't weeks disagree. Um, I was even thinking that it'd be, it'd be Bitcoin. The issue is Bitcoin, it, you mentioned it was the you know first in, best dressed, it's, it's, so it's not necessarily the best one, but it came in looking good and it worked. But the best thing about it is that it's truly decentralized, and many of these other cryptos are centralized in some capacity. There was some controversy with a particular coin I'm not going to mention because it's proprietary, but people were shocked to discover that they increased the volume when they said they couldn't, and they did, because when you have centralized digital currency, they can they can control it. Did, it, you, did you see what... Did you find it? It didn't pop up. I'll see if I can pull it up tonight, though. Ethereum makes sense. I mean, doesn't, doesn't Ethereum? Uh, uh, no, I don't want to say things I don't know for sure. But Ethereum makes sense because it's, it's seemingly the more institutional of the cryptocurrencies and getting a lot of support. Bitcoin of, cor- Bitcoin, of course, does. But too many anarchists, libertarians, and radicals support Bitcoin for me to think that they're going to actually try and use that. They want control. They also Ethereum. want
4: infinite supply. Ethereum provides a possibility for an infinite supply. What'll happen is you'll be, like you were saying, you're staking the Ethereum, which means that you put some into a node and then that node generates interest. I, I think it's actually, this I don't know exactly if it's written into the code of the Ethereum to itself that it auto generates interest. And it's, so it's set to expand at a certain rate. But what'll happen is we'll each have our own nodes. People will probably start selling you little boxes you plug into your wall and you tap into it with your phone and your Ethereum is going to be on your wall, which is dangerous because someone can steal that. So then we'll create these like bank nodes that are like 10 miles away in a very secure location. There's a node that you can port into with your phone where all your Ethereum is stored, collecting you interest. And then there'll be, maybe there'll be a master node in Bank of International Settlements in Switzerland. Who knows where they're gonna put the master node, but eventually they'll start noding up and then re-centralize the thing.
2: No, I don't think they will. I think it's a real Ethereum is a real blockchain. It is decentralized, it'll always stay that way. I don't it's not decentralized, it's proprietary.
0: No, it, no, it literally. Is. It. I mean, but
2: the problem with Bitcoin is it's, it takes ten minutes or maybe more to process a block. So potentially, I could buy something with you pay in Bitcoin, and if the block doesn't process, you know, you don't get paid. And you may want to wait, and I don't want to wait ten minutes for the block to process. Bitcoin is just not feasible for use. But Ethereum, and as it advances more, uh, can do really fast processing and can be used for something like a cryptocurrency that you use everyday life that is not controlled by a bank controlled by the ethereum blockchain
4: but if a bank owns 51 percent of the chain then or if, if a cabal of people owns 51 it's not it's not likely but it is a possibility and i think we should right. resolve every contingency when we're planning a future of global currency like mm-hmm. if it can be done it may very well be
1: done so we should watch out for people taking control of the nodes you can track everybody you know with with bitcoin uh, I believe the, the Ethereum chain, it's all publicly available as well, right? All the transactions? Yeah, on um, mm-hmm. Etherscan. Yep. I went to, I, I bring this up often when we talk about uh, crypto. I went to Davos several years ago, and crypto was the theme. I wasn't in the actual World Economic Forum. In the city of Davos, the, every all everybody shows up and then tries to suck all the teat of the World Economic Forum outside of it. To be like, look at me, look at me, I want to be part of your thing. But there's pop-ups everywhere. Bars, clubs, partying, and people do their mini-events in the periphery, and crypto was it. Everyone was like, this is the future, this is what we're doing. Since then, I've been telling people, like, yo, the World Economic Forum types, they love crypto. They want that. I mean, think about what Bitcoin is. It's a, arguably a global currency. It comes out, they get all the the, the right-wing nut jobs to start using it and cheering for it. They all become rich overnight. This sings the praises of it, and all of a sudden, they're like, this is our way out of the machine and the machine is just like, ooh, we love that everyone's adopting this universal digital currency that can track every move you make.
4: Another reason why the World Economic Forum and the global monetary system doesn't like Bitcoin, but they prefer Ethereum is because Bitcoin's uh, energy intensive. The mining process requires that you have a GPU plugged into a wall. It's burning a lot of coal or whatever your power it, Whereas the proof of stake stuff, it's just the digital code on some node somewhere is just repopulating and adding new um, gain. You know, it doesn't require any mining electricity. It's just like in this program in the in the net. The problem is if the power goes out, then none of it's worth anything.
5: Right. I was gonna ask if the power goes out, what are we gonna do? Yeah, so
4: when I apparent. ask that question to a group of developers, it stuns silence. Mm. <laughs> you put the blockchain on,
3: on you know the smoke signal and that's how you transfer it. <laughs> I promise. Out. That's how much
4: I
1: had. <laughs> you send the actually...
3: private key and then you send the public key and then bada bang bada boom. Yeah.
1: When everyone actually... can see your private key. There it is. I think
4: cash. You got to maintain cash.
2: Well, we have dealt with that problem at Fortitude Ranch because we do have a cryptocurrency. It's called the Fortitude. This is a fake one, not the real one. It runs. It's an ERC twenty token runs on the Ethereum blockchain. You can use our tokens to buy membership. uh, But what happens if you know the grid goes down? There's no Ethereum blockchain. You can't use them. So if you want, you can say, Hey, you know, I'm the one who bought this. uh, These Fortitude tokens. I'll put it on my spreadsheet on my computer, I keep offline. And if the grid's down, but you can still contact me, I know that, you know, you you own you know, you own 15 Fortitudes and you are entitled to mm. join Fortitude Ranch. Because when the shit hits the fan for, for Fortitude Ranch and everyone wants to join, we've got a page ready to come up on our website that says we're no longer accepting cash memberships, you can only join with Fortitude Tokens. Because mm. people have bought them in the past, part of the allure is if you own fortitudes, you're not a member of Fortitude Ranch, but you we will give you priority to join over cash buyers. Is so it have um, Been selling them for that. Is
4: there any kind of like thing on there where I can scan it and it'll bring up my fortitude?
2: Not on this. This is completely a trinket, you know, for show. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a normal ERC twenty token. So you can see it on the blockchain if you if you search for fortitudes, FRT is our symbol. We're hard to find. We're trading. FRT. On another, yeah.
1: That's unfortunate. Yeah, sorry.
2: But, <laughs> uh, so it's a, I'm going to go
4: coinmarketcap.com and look up the FRT. Uh, but right we're not now.
2: widely traded at fort, all. Uh, oh, it's, I see It was a small issue fertilizer. Uh, the company owns most of the tokens. We have people who bought them one to join and then some of bottom is investments. You but couldn't get FRC, Fortitude Ranch Currency, or? Nah, Fortitude is the name we use. Fortitude Ranch. You you all know, right, everybody. So I'll give this one here to you. Oh, yeah, in, cool. fort, in Fort's blockchain and individual freedom we trust.
1: Oh, cool, slide it over. That's very cool. All right, everybody. If you haven't already, smash that like button. We're going to go to Super Chats now. So uh, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, share the show, become a member at TimCast.com. We're going to have that members only show up at 11 p.m., but we're going to read now your Super Chats. We got Hunter. He says, B Corporations, part of the stakeholder economy, help make sure that your money is going to the local economy and fight shareholder primacy. It also ties the mission statement to the corporation, even with other owners' investment. Yeah, Interesting. You, you could, like, that's what
4: I was talking about, like, nodes, like, 10 miles away where, like, 10,000 people are hosting their money. Then you could withdraw taxes from the node to finance surrounding projects and stuff, localized taxing and things like that.
1: Mm. Interesting. Helicon Drummer says, switch Timcast account from PayPal today. My understanding is their fines could also be used against anyone purchasing firearms or related items. I don't, I don't, did you see Did you see that? Well, I think I saw something like that.
3: Yeah, you can't use PayPal to buy uh, anything related to
1: firearms already. So they already have an anti-firearm policy. Yeah, and PayPal. Yeah. But this is why it was like a year ago. We were like, we need to find a way to get rid of PayPal. And PayPal then...
3: doesn't want you defending the, yourself as they steal money from you. Sorry, I just <laughs> that, that, maybe
1: that's why they ban <laughs> firearm purchases. Nope. Sorry, I had to say that. Kentara Bella says, Wild switching to parallel rumble. Use your voice. Dollars. That's right. Um, So we put everything up on Rumble, and I'm really, you know, look, it's really cool. We've got, I think, Timcast IRL has like 300,000 subscribers on Rumble, and uh, my Timcast channel has like 300,000, 300, I think, as well. My Tim Pool channel doesn't, so we just were moving that segment over to the Timcast one where most of the subscribers are. But it's cool to see that there's actually some rivaling happening to YouTube. The fact that I've got hundreds of thousands of subs on these platforms makes it a viable platform to keep using. If YouTube wants to play dirty games, the market shall provide. And so, so it seems. Not a guarantee. It's not the best, but, you know. But that being said, that's why we use Parallel Economy. Shout out Dan Bongino, who I think is doing more than most when it comes to actually building a parallel economy and pushing back on the censorship, because Rumble and uh, uh, Parallel Economy are huge. I think here's what we need. We got a brick-and-mortar location coming soon for... Something It's going to be a hangout, venue, club, games. I'm hoping that Parallel Economy can actually set up pay terminals so that we can use them for our general payment processing as well because we need stores to start doing that stuff. Then you can't get silenced, censored, or shut down for what your business is. And if you use the Public Square app, which will show you a list of businesses that support American values, all of those businesses should also be using Parallel Economy. Oh, uh, I just got this in. PayPal,
4: this is from, was this Bloomberg? Uh, PayPal has no intention to fine customers over misinformation. Yeah, yeah, they walked back to the policy. Oh, yeah, now they're just saying right. they never intended it to begin with. So right. it, was,
1: it was an error. It, it's official, yes. Well, so I got to say this then. Uh, the loss of money I've incurred from people uh, canceling their accounts, is, uh, is PayPal going to pay damages for that? They admitted it was an error. This wasn't a policy change they can claim they're allowed to make. This was them Ooh. publishing false information which caused a, a a pain and suffering damages to all of these businesses. Yeah, got them. So they, they, maybe they, uh, I don't know. I'll talk to like, a lawyer.
4: I mean, what do they lose five
1: percent, six six percent of their value in one day? It's
4: a
5: lot. We
1: we lost a lot of members. So here's what happens. There are people who have signed up to simPS.com using PayPal. These are people who are probably not super fans of the show. But they're fans enough to be like, Yeah, you know, I'll sign up, I'll support the guy. Yeah, you know, here you go. But they don't watch every episode. They don't really pay attention that much. When they cancel their account, they don't come back to the website and re-sign up. Those are customers that we have to try and email and ask, be like, hey, did you still want to be a member? So when we lose that money, because PayPal published a false statement, I think they're responsible and they should have to pay the damages to every single business because of that error. You don't get to like, you know, if you're a repairman and you're coming to fix my window and then you you break it, you got to pay for it. I'm not paying for that. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: PayPal busted up the system and now it's costing customers. That's their fault. It's like a venue. If you're putting on a show and the one day the
4: venue's like, and we're not letting anyone in that isn't six seven or has green hair or doesn't, didn't get their vaccine, then you as like a performer that has tickets bought and then you lose all this money on your
1: tickets, all these refunds, you can probably go after the venue for that. I, if- that's that's a way better analogy. You, uh, you, you book a show at a venue, people are buying tickets and the venue comes out and announces they're taking everyone's tickets away at, at their own discretion so people rip their tickets up and leave and demand refunds. And now I'm left with no money because the venue comes out and said, no, 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 no. That wasn't a real statement. That was fake. And I'm like, okay, well, now that my show's ruined and my business has been destroyed because of what you just did, you got to pay. Yeah, Yeah, at least what class action. Is that the way you would go? All the people harmed by... would would Class action, I think, is always a bad idea. The only person who wins a class action is the lawyer. Yep. All right. President Irina Vladimirovna... Says one of the things related to the World Economic Forum "You will own nothing" shtick that I don't see many people talking about is the insane amount of subscription-based services like Spotify. I recently bought a custom Zune, so all of my music is kept offline and safe. Good idea, because uh, people are buying their way into communism. Everything is becoming subscription. Yeah. I go on Amazon, and uh, I'm like, I need, I need uh, coconut water, and it's like, and, and it default subscribe. Yeah. The default is not to buy a case; it's to subscribe. To mm-hmm. coconut water? I'm not subscribing to that When we run out, I'll buy more. I guess we should subscribe. I don't know. We have a subscription to toilet paper. Huh. We do. It's bamboo toilet paper, though. And so once a month, we get a thing. Like, we have, we have 30 employees. We have this, you know, 12,000-square-foot facility. So we got to, you know, we got to keep the bathroom stocked up. So we bought a subscription. Everything's going to be that. It's this is automated subscription processing. And then in 20 years, when Amazon owns every single business you will have a subscription to Amazon for your services and you won't realize it, but you will have bought your way into content. The tactic
4: is like, we'll give you 10% off if you subscribe to, for a monthly purchase. And then when you forget that you're subscribed that one extra month, it pays off the 10% gain that you had. And they're just mm-hmm. hoping people forget. And that's the danger for businesses is it's good to have an accountant going through all the order lists every time,
1: every month, mm-hmm. so that you're not accidentally ordering things you don't need. Right. All right. Cabo Rojo says, Tim and Co., you inspired us to go all in on fighting the culture war through music. Just released The Reckoning by Single Grain of Sand. Definitely see the value is speaking truth via music. Only on Rumble, half of the GP goes to 1.6, uh, 1.6 prisoners. Cool. Glad to hear it. Troy Dunham had a huge debate this weekend with family over Biden's invention of the term next now I couldn't find video evidence anywhere. Please confirm and provide any sources or context they were also dubious of Battocav care, but I did find that one. There was a video I saw; it may have been Nuance Bro. I'm not sure. Where uh, I can't remember who it was. They went over the, 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 Joe Biden's new language, and they showed all the clips: not Resent, Battocav care. But I mean, just show him Trunin on a shot of pressure. Come on, show him. I got. I'll start with two words: Made in America. And then be like, come on, it's three
4: words. Lauren Boebert tweeted out, I have two words. Let's go, Brandon. And everyone's like, she's such an idiot.
1: She said two words and she said three. What an idiot. But they didn't know that Biden did that, I guess. And that's the point. Yeah, she was trolling. No, but what she did, uh, whether on purpose or not, perfectly exposed the cult. These people don't even listen to the president they voted for Mm -hmm. speaking. Yeah. We, as people, I don't know who you voted for, but we're, we're people who are no fans of Joe Biden. I'm assuming you, Serge, too. And But we we watch his speeches. And so when he says it, we all watch it happen. Mm-hmm. When he says Trinidad is of pressure, we're all talking about it like, did you see what just happened? All of these people like George TK, David Hogg, these other guys, they don't even watch him. And you they know. voted for him. And then when we come out and we're like, look how crazy he is, they go, you're so dumb. It's like, did what? How are you supposed to negotiate with a group of people that are like that? When they're just like, I don't know, I don't care, I won't watch him, and you're dumb. Like, <laughs> what do you do?
4: Okay. Like you were in the military. I don't know if you worked with conflict resolution much, but like if you're up against like the Taliban, how do you end up negotiating? You just take one of their leaders and you give them a lucrative bribe to, to negotiate with the entire group?
2: Uh the military doesn't really get into the negotiation. It's supposed to be the State Department handling that. So
1: Yeah, the the US military doesn't de-escalate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's read more. We got Mit mo two says, Happy Columbus Day. That be Columbus Day indeed. Today's a day we celebrate when a bunch of Europeans figured out there was another part of the planet.
4: Dude, uh, this who was it that? Oh, uh, Spike Cohen tweeted out the history of Columbus Day. It was like in the eight, late 1800s, a bunch there's this abusive lynching of a bunch of Irish Americans. So then William Henry Harrison was like, you know what? No, 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 we'll, we'll make a day after the Italian adventurer Christopher Columbus. Yay! Now it's not so bad what they did to you Italians. And then it was in like the 1930s that uh, there was all this anti-Italian American sentiment because of the war and, you know, Mussolini's Italy. So uh, they were just persecuted again. And then it was FDR was like, we're officially making Columbus Day a holiday to appease you.
1: All right, let's read this one. One, One-two says, what information do you have Putin is losing? My info says otherwise. Plus, he took 20% of the country. Why would Saudi Arabia get get on the side with Russia if they were losing?
5: Money.
2: Well, for Saudi Arabia, there's, I think, less Russia than than Iran, that, um, you know, the U.S. has not been holding Iran back from their nuclear weapons program. And there's a lot of concern that, you know, Saudis are worried about that, but they want oil prices to go up and Mm -hmm. Russia's helping them on that. So they're playing their economic interests and Iran is an ally of Russia. And, you know, they're doing what they got to do to protect their own self-interest.
1: All right. Well, I'll just add to that. You got to choose who you trust. I mean, I think it's fair to say that Putin is losing simply because he's fighting NATO. He's fighting all of NATO. Uh, We're supplying weapons, intelligence. We've got volunteer ground forces. But now we have confirmed special operations on the ground. Germany's providing air defense. Biden's going to be sending air defense. So when the news reports come out and they're like, Putin's forces are routed and retreating, I'm like, you know, he's fighting like a military alliance. So it's reasonable to me to assume. Granted, I do think it's all propaganda. And I think Russia is probably doing better in certain areas than you'd ever find out because they're not going to come out and be like, yes, all of our troops are losing. Now let's go and fight more. Right. They need to justify why the money needs to be sent there. And so Putin has to be doing well enough that they need the money, but not so well. It's a lost cause. Do you have any other
3: kind of intelligence or assessments to why Russia is, is losing?
2: Well, their, their troops aren't fighting well. They're just not motivated compared to the Ukrainians. I mean, it's why did the Russians fight so well in World War II? Germany was invading their territory mm-hmm. and killing them off. They're now invading uh, Ukraine and uh, they're not doing well. And they've not th- been doing well. They've been suffering high casualties. They are definitely losing the war, losing territory. And the mobilization going on is not being well received in the country. And uh, just they're not mobilizing. I was a reservist and an air guard person. When you mobilize us, we're ready to go. The troops they're trying to mobilize are conscripts. They got to train them. They got to equip them. It's going to be a long time for them to build that force up. And it's not a ready to go force. And they're going to continue to go badly, which is why the risk of them escalating the nuclear weapons use or some other retaliation against us like a bio attack is very real now.
1: All right, insert name here says, YouTube is giving zero TP notifications now. I have to deliberately search for you. Also, shameless plug for my friend who released a poetry book, Our Little Black Book by Ren Ivy for some distraction. And Almost Last Jedi says, YouTube have reached a new low as well as not getting notifications. I got unsubscribed today. Wonder why I couldn't find the live stream. And uh, today was one of those days where Ian reminded me at the last minute, the thumbnail doesn't go up. When we launch the live stream, the thumbnail is a gray block, and I have to immediately then re-upload the thumbnail. Otherwise, people scrolling through don't see it, and don't, and they wonder why it is they're not seeing it. It's because YouTube is playing dirty games. So be the notification you want to see the see in the world. Every uh, Monday through Friday, 8 p.m., we are live at youtube.com slash timcastirl slash live. You can just take that, and you can post it and share it wherever, or use the, the actual direct URL at the top of the video and uh, share it. You can also listen on iTunes and Spotify and all the other podcast platforms too, because we do post it there at night as well. Let's read some more Super Chats. Let's let's see what you got, guys. All right, let's see. We'll grab a good one. I'm trying to find a good, good question. AJ Cook says, your guest is a nice guy, I'm sure. But his opinions on Russia are cringe CIA MI6 propaganda. Ask Russians with attitude to recommend a guest who can comment intelligently on their side of the story like armchair warlord. Oh, yeah. I would just say uh, it's who you trust. It sounds like you trust the government, you trust the United States and and the media reporting here.
2: Uh, no, I trust them in terms of biological weapons programs. I don't think we're developing biological weapons. I mean, you know, let me put it in a way that people who don't trust government <clears throat> might understand better. Like, for example, the preparedness community. a lot of people say, oh, FEMA's going to do concentration camps against Americans. And that's been out there a lot, and it's absolute nonsense. You know, the people who work for FEMA are largely good people. And if there was some massive conspiracy of FEMA concentration camps, if there was some program where the US is secretly developing biological weapons, a lot of people would have to be involved in doing that. And the secret would eventually get out. If we had a biological weapons program, you would know about it. It would be leaked uh, we just, you know, you don't have a lot of faith in the confidence of people in government, then why would you think that they can carry out some vast conspiracy some brilliant conspiracy and keep it secret. They're not that capable. They can't do it. Project, so whether you of. trust them or not, the truth is, you know, there is no FEMA concentration camp conspiracy like some people think. Wait, and wait, and wait, there wait. is no biological weapons program that the United States but has. When it, if there was,
1: it would leak. But when it comes to the war, with, uh, uh, the war in, in, in Ukraine, why assume that the reporting coming out is good? If if we if we if we think the U.S. government isn't capable of these kind of uh, organizational feats, then why would I assume that there's any uh, effective intelligence or armaments happening, as or honest reporting as it, as it pertains to Ukraine? I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way: There's no way Ukraine wins this war if NATO wasn't backing them. They would have been steamrolled in two seconds. Mm-hmm. The U.S. is clearly involved, so why should well, I no, believe we are
2: involved in the war? We are supporting Ukraine. There's there's no doubt. No. About yeah. That.
1: Right. So why should I assume that the U.S. doesn't have the capabilities of, of this level of organization when, arguably, if they're winning in Ukraine, they're actively doing it?
2: I'm sorry, I don't follow that.
1: If if the argument is that the U.S. can't operate, the government doesn't have the capability to operate, say, camps that they would use to, to bring people to in the event of some kind of crisis or catastrophe, then... I mean, you're you're assuming the government is incapable I'm of doing there something. There is no
2: FEMA plan in a in a kind of collapse situation to round up Americans and put them in concentration camps. There is no plan that you know we're going to invite in United Nations troops to take over the country. i oh, no, not sure. Sure, sure. You hear sure. nonsense like this all the time, and you know. Even if it's legitimate, if even if you believe it might be true, you probably don't trust government officials so you shouldn't trust that there is a capability for them to one, organize something like this, and then two, to carry it out and to keep it secret, so don't worry about ridiculous sounding government conspiracy theories, they're not true. They're probably not true. They're I just, probably I just, not
3: true. I, I just had a conniption. I, <laughs> I, I respectfully, absolutely 100% disagree. They lied about the Vietnam War, the Gulf War One, Gulf War Two, Libya, Syria, Afghanistan. They lied about so much. Why would they not be lying? Now, and I, I think it's best to be skeptical of government, and to quote, well, and, and, to, and, and to just quote Ronald government. Reagan here. I think the most terrifying words on the planet are, "I'm from the government and I'm here to help."
2: Now, I'm, I'm not a. Yeah, I've been criticizing government throughout your program. You know, the avian flu research that was not so much that it was done, the fact that they published it. That's what bothered me the most about it was publishing the how do you make avian flu mammal to mammal ferrets and their research, but human to human transmission. So I'm not a huge fan of government but the conspiracy theories of hey we've got fema concentration camps are in the war our united Nations troops are going to be invited in to take over the country or that we're developing biological weapons. It's not. So- we we it, was real, it a conspiracy? Was it a conspiracy when the United out.
3: States interned Japanese people in camps?
2: No, they absolutely. But did. that happened That's before. So, so,
3: fact. so, why would you say it's impossible to happen when it happened before?
2: I'm saying there is no FEMA program to set up concentration camps against Americans or to bring in United Nations troops. I run into people who believe that, and it, it it's just nonsense. What you ought to believe in is real threats, like Russia using nuclear weapons, like a biological agent, like human, to human and like, government the government like, lying us into a war. Right, without inventing false government conspiracies. But, the,
1: the, so you, 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 but you're doing two things I disagree with. The first is uh, uh, bringing the UN into it is sort of like a straw man like obviously that's oh, I hear ridiculous. that fairly off for sure people. for sure but i mean more... there's
2: posters you can find in nebraska and texas about you know u.n but let's let's let's, let's steel
1: man it luke is right the u.s has interned people before they have mm-hmm. the capability to do so they have the facilities to do so
2: well they have 1.5 million americans locked up right now as i mean
1: so the issue is if you created by you've done you've done two you're doing the two things i disagree with one is incorporating the u.n into it but the other is now I'm, I'm losing my train of thought on this one. I've lost it. Luke, what's going on? You can't just believe the government <laughs> blindly because the government has been... I got it. I got it. I got it back. The, the idea that they have a plan for it is is, a, is another mistake. They have the capability to do it. They have the facilities to do it. If something bad happened, they've... Uh, George W. Bush already signed uh, National Security Presidential Directive 51, meaning they have the intention to do it if they, if, if they so want it. So it's all there. I mean, you can say the U.N. thing is a conspiracy, and I'll just say, yeah, I don't know anything about that. That seems ridiculous. Why would the U.N. troops come in here? They don't need it. But to say that the U.S. doesn't have a plan for it, perhaps, but they've expressed intent, if need be, the facilities and the individuals, if they need be. The conspiracy is always the intent. I don't know that intent exists. I know the capability does
2: so the president's changed quite a few times since george bush so you're saying that somehow during all these presidential changes of people you know absolutely hate each other but yet they managed to keep this conspiracy or this no 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 no, no, no hold on. This national security Presidential directive 51 sense. is an
1: executive order that does exist and was updated by barack obama
2: and says exactly what
1: in the event of a catastrophic loss of life or damage to the u.s that could that as the result of an incident that occurs anywhere on the planet the president has the authority to essentially introduce a new government to supersede the current one, a new constitutional government and and create a continuity, coor- a, a continuity, a national continuity coordinator who would oversee the new mono government that exists. Well,
2: they do have that. They do have continuity. Of right, 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 right. Now, now the, I, the, I the, the, the point
1: is, the this executive order exists. The president, in, this was in 2007, I believe, asserted the authority to over, basically overwrite existing law due to a major emergency and the need for continuity of government. It's been challenged because people say, it's, it's well, it's never been challenged. The challenge to it is that it's never actually faced Supreme Court scrutiny, so they don't, they don't think it would fly. However, in the event of a catastrophic event affecting the government, who's going to bring it to the Supreme Court? The point is, Barack Obama updated it. It is a component of the federal uh, of the federal government and the executive branch. Although many people do challenge its authority, there are uh, made f- internment facilities. I mean, you, you, you've got prisons, you've got them all over the place, and you've got other uh, large open. You know, I don't know what, what these are for, but like uh, storage facilities, warehouses, etc. And the U.S. government has interned people before. I'm not saying there's a conspiracy to do it. I'm not saying there's a plan to do it. My issue is there doesn't need to be. There is the intention for the government to wipe out people's laws, you know, wipe out the laws, enforce a new law at their own discretion to remove undesirables. There is the capability to do it. And there are the facilities to do it. So if people are concerned, it may happen. Look, if somebody, you know, is is stacking up dynamite in front of a building and they say, don't worry, we have no intention of blowing it up. And they're lining the building with it. And they're like, I've got a real concern. You might do that. They can be like, nobody here wants to do that. There's no plan to do that. We have done it before, but we're not doing it now. Don't be surprised when people freak out and think you're (laughs) going to do
3: it. Yeah. I mean have you ever heard of the Tuskegee experiments when the mm-hmm. US government you know knowingly hurt people they were doing scientific biological experiments on unsuspecting human beings the CIA did that with MKUltra they well, hurt and again, punished and poisoned people the US government even even questions. spread even spread radioactive waste inside the of the go- United I States there, there's there's historical documented cases of the government doing large biological testing especially even with radiation on unsuspecting American public so why would you ever believe that that is not ever possible ever again
2: it's not what i said i didn't say it's not ever possible again i said in answer to your question no i the u.s does not have biological weapons programs now and i don't believe we do have biological weapons programs now mm-hmm. if we did it would be illegal and it would probably be leaked because you wouldn't be able to keep it secret so i'm not worried about illegal the, 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 it, the government never does anything well, illegal
1: so well, all right, so let me let me ask like so the the uh, the, the biological research facilities in Ukraine that the U.S. is desperate to defend, they're doing gain-of-function research there.
2: They were. They admitted that, yes.
1: So they're making viruses more dangerous.
2: Maybe. I don't know the specifics of what they were doing there. but That's, that's yeah, what gain-of-function function means. Yeah. Yeah. You can make them more dangerous cuz you got to develop defenses to them so you got Can have those things that can do can that. can the pathogens
1: they were experimenting on be used as weapons? Yes, they could. So, it's semantics to argue there's no biological weapons program. And and, and, you know, and that's optimistic like thinking. Like saying the
2: United States could use nuclear weapons to destroy their own states and cities. Yeah, theoretically you could. It's not really. Well,
1: no, 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 that's not. I'm saying that the it would be like the US is building nuclear bombs and saying, "But they're not weapons. They're for mining." And it's like, "Okay, well like can the bomb be dropped on a city?" Sure. But it's not a weapon. It's like, look, you can make a padlock into a weapon. Yeah. So it's it's semantic argument. I'll 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 absolutely concede. Officially on paper, there's no biological weapons, you know, being made. But if they're making viruses more dangerous, those can easily be weaponized, yeah. and it's just a semantic argument. Yeah. And
2: have you ever heard of Agent Orange? Very much so. I wrote so, the official Air Force history of the disposal of Agent Orange.
3: Well, that should tell you that, that the government <laughs> is capable of poisoning poisoning, and using bioweapons on
1: large populations let's, of people. Let's read a couple more super chats. <laughs> we got Lone Wolf36S. He says Ethereum 2.0 just came out. It's already controlled, it's now impossible to mine it.
2: Oh, wow. You well, know? it's not controlled, it's a new proof of stake method. They're not doing the mining anymore, they just changed it. You're, yeah,
1: you can still mine Ethereum 1. uh, Pioneer Smokehouse's channel says AWS controls the nodes now they moved electric use from miners to AWS and they can stop at any time it's very concerning I I read that and I didn't know if it was true or not is that they're using AWS I don't know who to confirm it with it's so
4: new I don't know but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that's true bro
1: it's It's, gonna be Amazon
4: centralization
1: of the ownership of the direction of your money man Jeff Bezos he's gonna sell you everything you need they're they're already doing it they're gonna Amazon doesn't doesn't Amazon own Whole Foods if you're yeah.
4: Ethereum's already in the Amazon account, you'll get a discount yeah. on Amazon products. Yeah. Host yep. on our node.
5: Yeah. Amazon literally has stores. They had a new store opened up in North Hollywood. It literally. Really? Amazon store. Yeah. Is that the is that
1: the is it is, is that the one where like you can walk in without a clerk or whatever, a cashier? I don't know for sure.
5: I didn't really go in there. It wasn't really my I'm not the target audience, you know. But uh, I
1: assume so. I assume if
5: it's Amazon I went, they were talking about it, yeah.
1: I went to that one in uh Seattle uh-huh. and uh yeah. we did a little stunt where we proved it's really easy to just take whatever you want without paying for it. And uh, it was really simple. Um, I don't know if I can actually say exactly what we did. I may have already said it, but I said, because I didn't want people to go do it. It's, it's really, really simple to do. Yeah. But I was able to walk out and only pay for one thing out of like 10. And uh, I should say in my account, we did pay for everything. We didn't steal anything. We just, <laughs> yeah. we just figured out a loophole and then made sure everything was paid up. But right. we proved that you, didn't, you, didn't, you, you could easily do this. I called the company. And when I explained what I did, they went, oh, we don't care. And I, the yeah. gist of it was that the, um, the, the amount of money they save by not having employees covers any potential loss from glitches in the system. Right. That'll be your future. There will be just buildings. You walk in and grab stuff, and then it just deducts the crypto from your account. And if it's an error, nobody cares. Congratulations. You, know,
3: mm-hmm. you, you jaywalk, you get fined. Money gets automatically yep. taken out of your account. That's right. right. Wrong think, your child can't go to school anymore. Right.
1: You say a naughty word. PayPal takes a bunch of money from your financial yeah. account.
3: You can't get a plane ticket or train ticket anymore. Your internet service is cut down. Right. Yeah. Already happening in China.
5: Right, exactly.
1: All right, my friends, if you haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button and subscribe to this channel? Apparently, some people have been unsubscribed and become a member over at TimCast.com. We're going to have a members only show coming up for you at about 11 p.m. You don't want to miss it. We've got a lot of uh, a lot more fun stuff to talk about, a lot of creepy stuff to talk about because you know how it gets, it gets a little spicy on the members only show. So again, smash the like button. You can follow the show at timcastirl. You can follow me at TimCast. Drew, do you want to shout anything out?
2: I uh, know. Just if you're interested in Fortitude Ranch, uh, working for us, franchising, or joining, it's www.fortituderanch.com. Right thanks on. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely.
1: Thanks for coming, man.
3: I still have a jillion things I want to talk about, and I usually talk about them on LukeUncensored.com. We're also, of course, implementing alternatives to PayPal. We got another second alternative that we're going to be implementing very soon. Today, I made a video where I was screaming on the top of my lungs. I couldn't control myself. I couldn't hold it back. To watch that video, check it out on LukeUncensored.com. Thank you so much for having me. Great discussion. Thank you for uh, the the opinions.
4: Yeah, big time, man. Thanks. Thanks for clarifying that depleted uranium isn't considered tactical nuclear weaponry. Uh, also keep in mind, deflationary currency is the future of a sustainable currency where the longer it sits there, the more it dissipates. So you want to keep it moving. Uh, then we can make more of it when new people are born. So it encourages growth of humans. Um, of course, it's not just about the number of humans. It's about the value of the humans. So are you calculating human body heat to see how much crypto is produced? Let's find out and let's do it together. I love you. See you later.
5: All right. And you guys can follow me on Instagram at surge.com spelled out. I don't have anything on Twitter or anything. I might if Elon goes through with the buy. We'll see. But uh, as of now, that's everything. Thank you.
1: Let's make a crypto where as soon as you're born, you get like 100 tokens. And then like everybody gets 100 tokens. And then when you're born, you get one. And then you can trade and stuff with it. But like, there you go. You're you're alive. Here's some money. Yeah, it might be (laughs) something like that.
4: Like every for every, like, jewel of heat your body produces, you get a crypto
1: token added to your account or something. But you got to be in the pod and eating the bugs. All right, everybody, we'll see you all over at TimCast.com. Thanks for hanging out. See ya. Plus.